This episode of Comic Book Junto is brought to you by Bear Fruit, a Philadelphia-based lifestyle brand dedicated to turning beliefs into creative action and inspiring others to do the same. Head over to bearfruit.com, that's B-3-A-R-F-R-U-I-T.com, and sign up for our newsletter. While you're there, check out our other podcast, The Beautiful Struggle, a weekly conversation series hosted by me, Octavius A. Newman, featuring various guests telling their origin story. Don't forget to grab some merch from our online store. As a reward for being a loyal Comic Book Junto listener, use promo code CBJ to get 10% off your next order. Bear fruit. Believe. Create. Inspire. Now let's start the show. Junto episode 46. I'm your host, Octavius A. Newman. I'm the creator of Bear Fruit. Forward. Always. And I am here with my mans in them, my good friend, my co-host, Adam, just trying to keep his head above water, Tetris. Hello, Octavius. Always forward. Yeah. Forward. Always. Uh-huh. Just like Pop said. That's right. How are you? I'm eating M&M's on, on air. That's okay. That's how I feel today. I think today is about self-care. Yeah. Um, that's okay, man. Yeah, be eat M&M's. Do what you have to do. Yeah. I bought donuts for, saw, uh, for my office. That. I saw that. I'm like, you said, you know what? I'm off the diet today. Uh-huh. Okay? Yeah. I know, I, I know that's not... It's not like longevity, like, hey, here's something that to take care of yourself. A donut. Here's here's some kale. Here's here's some spinach. Right. Here's some greens. I don't know. I'm just like listing just green listing leafy joints. Uh yeah. Lil Yachty? Uh here's some Lil Yachty. <laughs> right. yeah. But I uh yeah, I just thought like today's a day where people need a little comfort food. Mm-hmm. Comfort in any way. You have to chase warmth wherever you can find it. Right. Look for it if you have the energy to, and if you don't, that's cool too. But yeah, you deserve that today. You deserve those peanut M and M's. They're good. Yeah, they're good and good for you. They're not good. For you. I don't know if they're good for you. Nah, no, not in that particular I don't context. Think, I to think about it like psychologically. M&M's, like M and M's are cool. You know what I mean? <laughs> like from here and there, uh, peanuts are cool too. Yeah, it's true. Dark chocolate, but I don't know. If dark chocolate. I don't discriminate. Actually, I like uh, yeah. peanut. M&M's, peanut butter M&M's, because it has a real peanut butter. Like, really? That's real peanut butter. Oh, it's not fake peanut butter. Not like Reese's Pieces. Mm. That, that's that's fake, John. Oh, okay. Uh, and the pretzels. I like the pretzels. I don't really mess with all that. Okay. So, we're talking about kind of a, you know, it seems like the a lot of people, it's like, we're just divided. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of people who are like, yes! And we're talking about the presidency. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the president-elect, mm-hmm. um, Donald Trump, who's the president-elect. And it seems like literally the country is divided. Like mm-hmm. there are people who are like, this is what we've been waiting for. And there are people who are like, I cannot believe Lex Luthor is the president of the United States. Are, some of those former people, the people who say this is what we've been waiting for, are any of those people close to you? No, nobody who's close to, well, like I'm talking about what I see yeah. as I listen to, you know, CNN, as I look at the news, and yeah. as I read Twitter. I mean, my timeline is full of, oh gosh, what is going on? Yeah. You know, slash, mm-hmm, that's about right. You know, not not in a not in a hooray sense, but it's like, yeah, well, yeah, you know, 
yeah. saw this coming. Not not I saw this coming. It's more like, man. But you know what I'm saying? Like, sure. Okay, so I, I know what you but mean. Before I get into it, why don't you tell me how you're feeling about it? And I'll kind of give you some of my perspective here. I've been um, I've been spending all day trying to figure out how to answer the question of how are you feeling about mm-hmm. it? Because from last night, I didn't get a wink of sleep. Hmm. You know, I you stayed up for the whole thing. It, not not intentionally to stay up to watch as as. Uh, polling places were closing and votes were being counted, not necessarily intentionally to watch that because mm-hmm. that introducing that drama and sustaining that was not a kind of anxiety that I wanted right. to feed, but more like the anxiety that was in my body, the tightness that was in my chest, the way that I felt prevented me from turning my brain off, mm. closing my eyes and, mm. and, and finding sleep. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I stayed up late as hell. And that's okay. And I, and that's okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I'm, you know, I'm, I'm weary in every way, but since, since staying up and seeing the writing on the wall as, as, uh, numbers are pouring in and results are coming into, you know, CNN, MSNBC, whatever mm-hmm. you were watching mm-hmm. young Turks. Um, I, uh, I've been trying to figure out how I feel. I had a lot of very serious conversations with my partner about, you know, what are our responsibilities as citizens of the United States Mm -hmm. and are we supposed to stay in the United States? You know, a lot of people have that notion of I'm packing my stuff up. I'm going to Canada, Mm -hmm. but realistically I'm not, I, I don't feel like I'm the type of person who says, Peace out, y'all. But at the same time, I think I, I've had an opportunity to travel the world and I've visited places that I, I love yep. and I think I could love. And I think about my freedoms as a, citizens, a citizen of the world. And I think about what, I mean, what am I doing here? I've had so many conflicting thoughts. I've been sp- trying to spend all of my time figuring out how to say in a sentence, how do I feel about this? And the only truthful thing I can say is, I don't know. Fair. But I feel exhausted and mm-hmm. sad. Mm-hmm. And may I may I throw something in there? Please. Because question mark. I'm I'm saying you feel exhausted and sad because like what's it, causing the sadness? I have not I, necessarily tell me how you feel, but like you know you feel exhausted yeah, and sad. Uh-huh. Why do you feel like that? So you know, I mean the, this being an election year, all of us have had to endure 24/7 coverage of the polls yeah. of the election of yeah. the process. So exhausted in the sense that this is the I'm using finger quotations here. This is the end, but this is not fulfilling. This doesn't feel like a conclusion that I was hoping for. Mm. Um, so I'm exhausted in that this is the quote unquote end of a process, but I, it's just dogging me as hard as the process itself was. Yeah. You talking, so you're saying this, the actual results are hurtful. Is that what I'm hearing? The result to me is very hurtful. The there there are two parts of me that try to understand what happened last night and what's happening right now in the mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. One is a confirmation of all of the things that I was deeply afraid of, hmm. things that I knew about the United States of America. Mm. It's a confirmation of everything that I was just deeply afraid of. That things that I didn't want to face, things that I didn't want to realize, mm. but I knew. I mean, me look at look at it. We have this show where we talk frequently about 
groups of people who are oppressed. Mm-hmm. We have this the conversations repeatedly. We will continue having conversations about minority groups, about representation, about yeah. equality, yeah. about finding legitimacy in geek culture, like something that shouldn't be all that important, but it is, it so is, you know, we talk about the imbalance, the injustices all the time. And so that comes from a source and that source is hundreds of years old, older than that still. And that's racism, that's misogyny, that's oppression in so many different forms. Mm -hmm. So this feels like a logical extension of everything I knew, everything I know. And that feels awful. The second way I'm trying to understand this is saying it feels like a betrayal Hmm. of everything I hoped for. Hmm. So everywhere I turn, I'm beat the hell up Hmm. and I'm, I'm sad in my group of people, which is white men Mm -hmm. failed this country. And when you look at the way that the polls concluded Mm. popularity vote goes to uh, senator clinton yes and the electoral college makes that all the more complicated and it shows us that the popularity vote doesn't even matter Hmm. it's about the electoral college and how many uh, votes you get from the the electoral uh that's that's what matters and that's like just a fragment of a very broken system but when you break all of this down what i see is white people men and women Men and women, Mm -hmm. white people, are the people who voted majority for Trump. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not breaking down the age range or anything, because when we're looking at that, 18 to 25, age range 18 to 25-year-olds definitely, absolutely did not vote for Trump. Majority voted for Mm -hmm. Senator Clinton. Mm -hmm. But white people voted for Trump. And I feel like so disgusted, so embarrassed, so upset I'm, I'm also realizing that you know what i'm doing right now speaking into a microphone about how i feel speaking with you having this show mm-hmm. feels important now because whatever i was doing before donald trump was elected to be president was not enough hmm. i have to keep doing it and do it better and louder and as an advocate and as part of a chorus with the people that i need to be a part of because i haven't done enough yeah so I'm, I've been talking for a long time and I don't even want to, but... Is this a new feeling? Is this a new feeling? That's a good question. Um, to some degree, yes, it's a new feeling. I remember feeling very disappointed and sad uh, during previous elections uh, when George Bush was elected and reelected. Mm-hmm. There was a form of mourning and sadness and, and it's, it's something along the same lines, but not quite like this. Uh, and I think part, part of that comes from the fact that over the last 10 years, I have become more aware of myself and my role in the world. Yeah. I have seen an increase in people who fight for uh, representation, people who fight to advocate people uh, who are not represented in our country. And it felt like seeing all this progress in mainstream, the fact that world of Wakanda came out today, this comic book by Roxanne Gay, and it's focusing on a, uh, a, a lesbian people of color couple Mm -hmm. in Wakanda, you know, like seeing those things exist in my world, the world that I care about feels like we're making a lot of progress. And the, 
election last night feels like we just took 200 steps backward. So it feels, it's a new sensation in the sense that it, it, it's like a surprise. Like oh, I've been focusing so much on the progress that I didn't look at the bigger picture. May I ask why it's a surprise in your mind? Because this stuff is very, I, I'm, I'm telling, I'm, I'm asking this question. Let me be transparent. Yeah, in, sure. internet, comic book junto listeners. I'm asking these questions as a black man speaking to a white man, yeah. trying to get perspective from where you're coming from. Because yeah. I have theories and I have perspective from where I see it, but I'm like, well, let me ask you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, sure. You said you're surprised. Like, that, well, that's just that, it. I'm tell like, me more about that. Well, that's just it. Like, when I was having this conversation, this is what it all comes back to. The, the very first thing that I said, which is, I, I don't know how to respond to everything, and I'm still trying to sort it out. Yeah. So saying that I'm surprised is is true in a sense because I think this is the first time that I've a feeling I've had the feeling of being a member of a community that was not listened to. And that was abandoned and that like just, just failed. Like mm -hmm. uh, we were failed. Mm -hmm. I'm a, I feel like I'm a part of a community that should have had power, that should have had representation, mm -hmm. that should have had a voice. And it, it I was failed. That's new. And that's new. That's new, huh? And so like that's, that is, that is an interesting uh, aspect of dealing with this, this this outcome from the election because there's a level of empathy that I must reckon with and I'm sure I'm not the only one but there is a level of empathy that I must reckon with of feeling like I'm a, a member of a community who has been ignored who has been squashed mm -hmm. and then not just that but looking at what happened to us and saying I can't believe people would do this hmm. with the, like the audacity mm-hmm that it takes to squash this. Yeah. So to be as, as, as transparent as possible, I believe that that is largely an experience that is felt by you far more often than me because you were a black man. I feel like that is an experience felt by a great number of people in communities of which I don't belong to inherently. Mm -hmm. So it is a surprise in that it's a sensation of, rarely as a white heterosexual man have I ever felt like I'm left out rarely rarely have I ever had that feeling and it's so weird I, I don't know I don't even know how to talk about it and feel appropriate uh, to, to be totally honest with you I don't even well, know look I don't really care honestly what anybody listening is because comic book junto has always been us talking and people getting to listen yeah, sure. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah. I so, mean, it's always been, you and I have been doing this, so we have a way to talk to each other. Yeah. Right? And allowing other people to be part of it, that's legitimate. So what I'm saying to you is there's grace for you as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, thank you. Know you know what I'm saying? So you, I'm asking you a question, and of course, you know, you know people are listening, but I'm asking you because I want to know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I want to know. I'm interested. Yeah. So I'm not sitting here with, uh, you know, my weapon out ready to pounce on you. Like, I actually care about what you think yeah, and how you feel. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't feel good. Yeah. I do not feel good. And, you know, there's also a, a really large part of me that says, you know, what is happening in the, in the United States right now, as, as much as I hate it, detest it, denounce it, I'm disgusted by it. All the D words. All of those things, 
we, we get what we deserve. And it's like, how could we ever pretend that this was not coming? Mm. Empires crumble. There are other parts of the world, other countries that were once prosperous and rich and wonderful and lost it. And what went wrong? Sometimes yeah. it's time passes and it's hard to pinpoint what went wrong. And I think it would be unfair for anyone in the United States to say, what went wrong? Well, we elected Donald Trump. No. What went wrong has been going wrong for an incredibly long period of time. Mm. And I think it has delivered us to where we are right now. And now I'm trying to figure out what I do today as someone who prides himself in taking care of other people and listening to other people and being a member of their lives and, and, and communities. How, how can I look after other people when I need to figure out how to look after myself today? Cause I just don't know how to put it together. Right. I feel bad. I feel like I burnt my tongue and all of my taste buds. My, my palate is completely changed. All the, the media, the things I like, the stuff I want to consume and enjoy. I don't want none of that right now. Mm-hmm. So before we get into this room and we're doing the show, I'm like, don't know how I'm going to do this. Yeah. We both said we didn't feel like doing this today. Yeah. But at the same time, I think it's important to do. And I've had a lot of time to think about this as well. And I sense that what you're saying, Mm -hmm. because I saw some of the stuff that you put on social media and I got this, the sense I got was I cannot believe this has just happened under my nose. Mm -hmm. Like, did this just happen? Mm -hmm. And I got this sense of surprise, of shock from you. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I was sitting there and I was like, is he really shocked? Yeah. Is he really surprised? And then I started to think about it and I started to think about the source, who it's coming from. And I started to look out in the world and look on social media. And I noticed a lot of people of color were disappointed, frustrated, angered, but not surprised. Sure. Not shocked. And I noticed a lot of majority culture, white people were disgusted and shocked. Yeah. And what, what is this America? Well, I have to what, say, where too, are we? I, What's going on? Yeah. How is this possible? And I'm looking at these tweets like, what, where do y'all live? Well, we also, well, that's, I'm, I'm glad you even asked that question there because this is something that's really relevant, which is last night as I'm watching CNN and political pundits and media correspondents talking about whatever is on their mind, their opinions, their projections, right? Mm-hmm. I have never become more aware of the very homogenous community that I am a part of, the bubble that I am a member of. Mm-hmm. And when I say the bubble, I'm talking about Philadelphia, the very particular place in Philadelphia that mm-hmm. I live, the part of the United States that I live, the company that I keep, the people that I agree with, the people that I, I hang out with, mm-hmm. the people who contribute to my Facebook timeline, my Twitter timeline. Those are people that I actively follow. I curated that list. Yeah of friends and contacts and influencers. So in my world online, all of us are surprised because all of us are in an echo chamber Mm. and all of us are telling each other, we're going to be okay. We're working toward loving uh, one another. We're proactive. We care about this election. We're going hard. Mm -hmm. And none of us are a part of the world in which 
we don't even consider. You don't know what you don't know, right? Mm-hmm. And all of these votes for Donald Trump come from people that I don't have relationships with. Or you think you don't have relationships with. Well, I know, but I can, t- I can tell you, I have evidence that I have people in my life that I know of who voted for Donald Trump, but I don't have a relationship mm-hmm. with them. Mm-hmm. My, my aunt, you know, my grandfather, you know, people who are close to me and part of my, my part of my disappointment and part of my embarrassment comes from the realization that all of this time I spent before election day was not with those people was not a part of their lives was not listening to them and talking to them. Even when I knew that they were going to vote for Trump, Mm -hmm. it was almost like a novelty. It was like, yeah, you know, my granddad's going to vote for Trump because he lives out in Bucks County. You know how it goes in Bucks County. You know how grandparents are. Mm -hmm. It was like, no, no. Like, how could I, how could I fail myself and my friends and my peers by not being a part of those people's lives? And look where we are. Look what we got. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I've never been more acutely aware of the incredible homogenous community that I am a member of. And now I'm, I'm stuck trying to figure out what I do, how I operate and to get myself out of that, to be bigger than that, to be outside of the world that I thought was comprehensive, you know, like it's this whole thing is really complicated it's it's exhausting just trying to work through just to talk through yeah well i i, I get what you're saying um and like i said i kind of sense that from a lot of from a lot of people from a lot of white people from a lot of you know majority culture and a lot of people who are aware woke if you will allies if you yeah, will right but don't live it. And yeah. it's not don't live it in some, you ain't really down for this, but don't live it in a sense of, well, you can't live it because that's not your life. Yeah. You're yeah. not really one of these people who live this every day. Um, and the kind of like hypothesis that I came up with is I was like, oh, this is your first time feeling oppressed. Yeah, in its own way, oh, absolutely. Oh, you're not used to this. Yeah. That's why I'm shoulder. That, that's why I'm like, yeah, this sucks. This is unfortunate, but it's kind of like, uh, you know, what I mean? like, well, I mean, you know, kind of like, and it's, I'm not saying that in a sense that I'm okay with Donald Trump being the president. Yeah. And, but I'm not blown away in, in the sense of like, I can't, I'm hearing, is this the America we live in? And I'm like, they're shooting black people in the street all year. Yeah. What did you, th- where, where did you think you lived? Yeah. This? Not to mention the fact that, you know, like, journalists and news media but, allowed us to get to where we are. So well, the stories of That's what told. I'm saying. Like, like, that's what I'm saying. And that's what I, I was wrestling with this last night. I was like, why are y'all so surprised? Like, I really can't relate to you. Like, I can't relate to how you're so blown away by this. Like, what have you been watching on TV? What have you been reading on Twitter? What have you, and, it, and I'm, I'm not trying to be insensitive, but I'm really trying to like understand, like, why is this the thing that is really kind of like making you kind of turn the corner and go, this isn't the America I thought I lived in. Yeah. You know, and it's like, because I've grown up being oppressed always. Yeah. 
I'm used to not getting what I feel like I deserve. I'm used to going above and beyond and doing as much as I can, plus more, and then not getting what I feel like I deserve because someone else is of a different belief system, worldview, skin tone, ethnicity, group, whatever the case may be. This is a thing that I just factor into every day. Right. You know what I mean? Someone treating me this way or that way or talking to me this way. Like this is, this is not, this has never been okay, but it's something that I'm more used to going up against and finding my way around. Mm -hmm. But for you, you're just like, oh, like clutch my pearls. Like, oh, I can't believe this. And it's kind of like, well, I got to say, I mean, like that phrase is deeply condescending. What, what is <laughs> like clutch my pearls? Like, what do you mean? I mean, the, the idea that you like uh, suddenly I'm aristocracy and I'm in the uh, crime alley with Bruce Wayne and oh my God, he's got a gun clutch my pearls. This is unbelievable that someone would cause an affront to me like this. I'm like, I, that's not how it is, you know. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, a, I am a contributing member, participating member of a lot of communities that I think are not my own, so I can expose myself to perspectives and world histories and existence that I wouldn't be familiar with, mm-hmm. right? So, like, I try hard to be outside of the way history has allowed me to be. I try hard to be outside of my privilege. Mm-hmm. I try hard to check my privilege. What do you hear me saying? So I, that term, what I'm saying is that turn of phrase. Clutch my pearls is like, come on, man. What do you hear me saying when I say that? Uh, that, that you're equating me to a, like a waspy white woman who is astonished that anything would be different. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's not what I intend to say. Okay, because so <laughs> I was like, eh. so I'm not calling you a waspy white woman who's in crime alley. I'm not calling you that. So I okay. apologize if I come across if I'm coming across that way. That's not my intention. No, whatsoever. it's cool. It's cool. But you know, like that in and of itself is for me a stereotype of a white person that I deeply, deeply abhor. That I tell you what, I don't want to be a part of. Let me tell you what I am saying. Uh. I'm not calling you an old white woman. <laughs> well, look, I'm look. I'm not calling you that. However, here's they weren't gonna they were not gonna let me give you a kidney if I was an older white woman. <laughs> right, because I don't I think, think Yeah. But here's here's what I am saying. What I am saying is I think what's happening for you is you are having, in a sense, maybe that 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 term that turn afraid is triggering. Sure. And I don't want to be offensive. But I also don't want to take the appropriate sting off. No. So, so here, here are what I'm saying. So if there is a level of sting that's coming from what I'm saying, let it be this. You're experiencing something that you haven't experienced before. And it is giving you a, oh my gosh, moment. Mm-hmm. Whoa. You mean this place isn't what I thought it was? And I think... And this is this isn't an Octavius to Adam thing. This is a person of color minority mm-hmm. to a non-person of color majority. Welcome to what our life has been like mm-hmm. for a very long time. Yeah. And I'm not blaming you for having that <gasps> moment. Uh, you're not somehow less than, and you're not somehow not an ally. You're not somehow not. It, this, this doesn't discredit you. That so that this 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 statement is not to discredit you, but it is to give you some insight that you may not be aware. Like I'm, I'm able to look into your experience and go, I recognize that. Yeah. Let me help you with what you're going through. Sure. So don't take what I'm saying as an opportunity to kick you when you're down. What I'm trying to do is help you 
in a sense of self-awareness to go, what am I experiencing right now? And I'm going, I'm looking and I'm going, hey, I know what you're experiencing. Yeah. It's, it's, you're having the, you're having the, oh my God moment. You're having the moment the first time I was walking in a cul-de-sac in a majority white environment and someone goes, I hate fucking niggers. Yeah. And I was like, clutch my pearls. I was like, what? Yeah. What? What just happened? Huh? what now i'm not somehow less than because i'm really having this emotional moment where i'm like i didn't know the world was like this i went home and i talked to my mom and i was like what what did i do i didn't i don't understand like what happened and how come and what and huh my mom had to go octave let me explain to you what you're experiencing. Let me break this down for you. Mm -hmm. I know that you're hurting. I know that you're blown away. I know that you're surprised. But son, this ain't new. Mm -hmm. This is what's been going around. You just have not been aware because it hasn't smacked you across the face before. Mm -hmm. And again, I don't want to be offensive, but if it stings... It needs like, to. It, there's a part of it where I'm going, this is your first time getting cracked across the face. Well, that's why I'm, you know saying, what I'm saying. I, not, think, not, I, don't, I can't tell you what your life is. Not your first time, but you no, know what I'm no, to say? Yeah, absolutely. Because now we're, we're talking about power dynamics, mm-hmm. right? And this is the first time in, in a really massive scale that I, as a white person who knows white privilege, or let me, let me say actually, that who didn't even realize at one point in my life that I have white privilege yeah. and then became aware of it. And then now I feel powerless mm. as a person and in my community, I feel powerless as a person in my community. And that's rare. That's new. Right. That's not new for many people on this planet. Many people in Pennsylvania, in Philadelphia, in the United States. Right. That's new for me. Mm-hmm. And now, today, hours after this was a thing that was decided, now I think, what? now what? Yeah. Now what? Yeah. And I think that you're doing a fantastic job with it. Let me say that. Because I can only imagine... See, it's different for me than you. And I don't expect you to have my response. That, that's not fair. Yeah, You're dealing with this in a very extreme way. And you're really having to reconcile and work through, wait, what is happening? And I'm kind of like, I can tell you exactly what's happening. You know what I'm saying? I know. And I, well, it would be unfair of me to expect you to respond like me. You know yeah, what I'm saying? No, of course. You know? Yeah. And at the same time, there's that's why I say there's grace for you to, you know what I'm saying? And I think that your response is a real one. And I appreciate your transparency and honesty because it helps me to be able to empathize, sympathize, and connect with you. And the other people who I have a relationship with, when I see that, when I feel that, when, you know, and, and how do I speak to them and c- comfort them and even wrestle with my, the, the part of me that's like, I don't feel bad for you. I've been living with this. Like, yeah. that's a real, that's a real wrestle. Yeah, of course. Of like, oh, poor you, you feel bad. You know what I mean? To not be condescending. I get it. And at the same time, be able to have a relationship and talk and go, what do we do? And I think comic book Junto is a step. This isn't, I don't know either, but I think us having this conversation in public is a step. Yeah. You know, there are people out there who are going, who aren't going to have this. They, they who, who like, are black people and white people who come from different backgrounds and different perspectives going to have the conversation about what it feels like to be in your shoes and what it feels like to be in my shoes and be able to have this, oh, that's where you're coming from. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. And us doing this, in a sense, I think that I hope that this is inspirational and helpful to other people to have that conversation with grandma, grandpa, coworker, classmate, cousin, nephew, uncle, brother. You know what I mean? Husband, yeah. wife. Yeah. Like whatever that kind of dynamic is, step one is self-awareness, I think. What's happening in here? What, like, what's going on? I'm pointing at my heart, internet. This is good radio. <laughs> I'm pointing at my heart. What's happening in here? I'm pointing at my head now. What's happening in here? Yeah. And also being very like slow with what's happening here. I'm pointing at my mouth. Yeah. You know, what's going on in my heart? What's going on in my head? What's coming out of my mouth? Yeah. Like that's step one, self-awareness. Like where am I at with this? How do I feel? And at the same time, am I pulling people in to have loving conversations, seeking first to understand, then to be understood. My goal here was to understand you, not to come in and go, let me tell you what's wrong with you because I peeped it on the internet. Yeah. Like, and here's where you're wrong because this is what we do. We talk through megaphones across the internet. Yeah, of course. But rather be able to have, because I didn't call you about this, which is what I normally do. Yeah. I didn't text you about this. But first thing I want to do is help me understand where you're at. Yeah. I got a hypothesis, but I don't know. Let me hear it from your mouth. Let me ask clarifying questions. Do you mean this? Do you mean that? Do you feel this? Do you feel that? And even, that's why I say you handling this fantastically. Even when I said something that was offensive, you weren't like, I'm done. No. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, there's, there's no other option other than always forward, yeah. right? There's no other option than always forward, um, as far as I'm concerned. And w what forward looks like is what I am chiefly concerned with now. Yeah. Because forward, whatever forward I thought I was doing, it's got to be a hell of a lot better now. But it's not But it's not that you weren't doing nothing. It, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I, I believe I was doing something. It's got to be better. And mm -hmm. I, for what it's worth, I think on this show, we say frequently, good on you, but... but Right. Do better. Right, right, right. Even if you're doing well, do better. If you just did badly, do better. Mm -hmm. it's, it's always about growth. Mm -hmm. And it is... An it's always about growth. It's always about growth. It is an impressive feat of not doing better to see the, the country look different right now. But it is a moment, more than anything else, of really reconciling being woke... If that's something that you think that you can attribute to yourself, if you think if you think you're woke, then you need to understand where this came from. Mm. You have to break it down and, and, and get it. And the big thing that I would like to say is this this is not new. What you're experiencing, what you see it's happening right now, I think this is a result of systemic issues. This is a result of something that's been coming a long time. Mm -hmm. um, I think that even when, as I hear people in the media go, man, Donald Trump just surprised everybody. We, we, uh, man, I never thought. It's just like, we've been telling y'all this for a long time. It's just that it isn't until you, it hit you guys. It isn't until you sit back and you look at America and it's not what you thought it was. I'm not talking to Adam. I'm just saying in general. Collectively. Collectively, I think all of America sitting there looking at themselves in the mirror and going, what have we done? Yeah. How did we get here? But again, minorities, people of color, LGBTQ community, disabled people, um, uh, you name uh, it, um, uh, immigrants. Absolutely. I would say I would wager. I would guess that a lot of us are like, "Hello, 
We've been telling y'all this. Like the media and the, the the effects of the media and the way the media played a role in this and the way Donald Trump was able to use hate and so and so and so it. Wow, we never thought and the how the the you know the Clinton campaign didn't really take them seriously and they didn't really and now everyone's you know, got all waxing eloquent and they've got all this, you know, information and insight and all this kind of stuff. And I think there are a lot of people who are part of these groups that are like this. Oh, so now you guys, we talked about cultural appropriation. This is a cultural appropriation. This is almost informational appropriation. It's like, so now you guys have come up with something new. Now, all of a sudden, everybody's all insightful and wise. Why well, bad people are looking at the TV like, haven't we been telling y'all this Mm -hmm. but it had to hit you Mm -hmm. you had to be affected well i guess you you know know one of the things that that strikes me because this is personal is uh friends of mine who i i campaigned alongside of who i consider a part of my life in a meaningful way yeah who are poc who are lgbtq Mm -hmm. um who worked their asses off yeah. to make sure that this didn't happen, who put their belief in it, even if they knew mm-hmm. what they were used to and what they were used to was a form of oppression that I'm feeling right now. Mm-hmm. Right. To see them feel defeated in spite of how hard they tried, how hard they fought, how deeply they believed in, 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 in alternative. Yeah. To see that makes me feel such a way where I'm like, <laughs> I saw you fight for it. Mm. I saw you believe in it. Yeah. I was with you too. So now look at us. Like where where do we go? And like I'm I'm yeah. thinking specifically of it's someone who I think is really important and I think he did an incredible job of rallying spirit and energy and helping people through this and sharing information and and uh, enthusiasm for the Clinton campaign and his name is Malcolm Kenyatta. Mm. Malcolm Kenyatta is an amazing man here in I Philadelphia. Him, yeah, Malcolm yeah. Kenyatta was in that issue with us, mm-hmm. uh, that uh, Philly Weekly issue that, w- that we were lucky to be in. Yep. And Malcolm is a great dude, like a really great dude. Mm-hmm. And he to, to see his work result in this way is painful to me on a personal level and very representative, very symbolic to me. Yeah, Because he is someone who should be very, very beaten down and used to several forms of oppression. Mm. I mean, he's a gay black man. Like, he has fought, you know? Yeah. And to see him fight so hard, and then to see me and think like, man, I didn't fight as hard as he did. Mm. So, time to move forward in a whole new pattern, with a whole new pace, with a whole new enthusiasm. Yeah. That's and, the only thing I can do. And here's what I, here's what, here's something that I, I, I've been thinking about. <clears throat> it's okay to be upset. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be tired. You know, <laughs> take your meds, say your prayers. If you pray, call your friends and family, spend time with them, get close. You know what I mean? Do the things that yeah. are necessary to take care of yourself. That's important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to rush anybody into come on you know let's do you know but i will say this one thing that i'm hopeful for is that we continue to move forward Mm -hmm. and what will come of this i'm looking forward to the art that comes out of this i'm looking forward to the commentary that comes out of this i'm looking forward to the creativity that comes out of this i'm looking forward to the changes. I'm looking forward to the things that we are going to do because you win some, 
you learn some. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not the end. This is this is where the we shall overcomes come from. Mm-hmm. This is where the, you know, deep in my heart, I do believe we shall overcome someday. Like, that hope that goes beyond like what you can see in front of your face, that's the stuff that has been carrying people of color along for years, mm-hmm. trying and not getting your way. And it has to do with something beyond right now. Thinking about your heritage, thinking about what you're setting up for the future. So I don't see this as a failure. I don't see this as we lost, it's over. I see this as, you plant seeds and you pray for rain. Because at mm-hmm. the end of the day, you can't make it rain. Mm-hmm. All you can do is keep planting the seeds until in the ground. You know what I mean? Yeah. So again, th- this is this is in no way, shape, or form to tell anybody to hurry up and get over it. That's not what I'm saying because it hurts. And at the same time, I still think that we have a lot more to look forward to. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think this is going to energize and encourage. Like I listened to, you know, Secretary Clinton's speech and she was talking about, hey, I've give I've given my whole life to this. And there's some of you that are just starting. That's true. Absolutely. Don't give up. Yeah. Like don't let this that, that I think that's the biggest thing that I I want to encourage people. If you're sad, be sad, but don't give up. Yeah. Do not let this thing be the thing that makes you go, forget it. It's not worth it. Like this is a part of it. This is a part of fighting. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is a part of fighting for what you believe in. Like it's, it's rough. It's hard. You're going to have to get knocked down and get up uh, and it's going to, it's going to be difficult. It's going to hurt. It's going to be painful. And this is, this is what this fight looks like. This is what believing in something, standing for something and, and championing something. This is what it looks like. And I am so proud of how I've seen people respond. I'm so proud of people taking care of themselves. Mm-hmm. I'm so proud of the graciousness that we've been in, engaging each other with. And I'm also proud of some of the encouraging conversations I've been having with people and seeing people go, you know, even hearing you go, you know what? I got something for that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? In, in so many words, when I'm hearing Adam Tedderus go, oh, oh, that's how y'all want to play? Okay. I thought I was doing something, but now I see y'all, y'all want to, you want to play around? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I'm coming back. Yeah. Don't worry. Let me let me just eat these donuts real quick. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll see you guys next time around. And I think that that's extremely encouraging for me that we're not we're not defeated and broken to the point of like quitting. This is um this feels like the matrix. This feels like taking I know kung fu. This feels like well, man, I wish. <laughs> if I could download kung fu, everything would be great, right? There you now. go. But it, this feels like taking the red pill. Mm. The, the the I guess the tricky part of it is you see the frank, matrix now. I mean, frankly, frankly, I thought I was campaigning for the blue pill. I was trying to like, please come on, blue pill, blue pill, Democrats, blue, blue, blue. And uh somebody slipped me the red pill. And I had this realization that I guess we needed that. What do you I, mean? Like drop the facade, mm. face the reality that mm. we're in. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of us, I think myself included, we're absolutely hopeful, excited, content to Mm -hmm, say, mm -hmm. I would like to maintain status quo as I know it. Mm -hmm. I would like for love to be professed. Mm -hmm. I would like for everything that I understand as privilege and luxury and being passive, I want, I don't want that to change. There's no way they're going to elect this guy. Right. We've come, we had a black president. We've come so far. Like, come on. He, did you hear what he said in the audio? 
grabbing him by the in in, in the stuff he said about the disabled. There's no America is there. We are so progressive. There's no way. And then it happens. You go, whoa. Yeah. This, this is America looking itself in the mirror and going, that's what I look like. Have you seen Bojack Horseman? Indeed, I have. TV show. Uh, mm-hmm. There's an episode. Bojack is a great. TV show. Yes. And I've watched so much of it. In is this abundance. our presidential one shot? Is that what we just did? I'm, I'm apparently, I guess, I feel like... Because <laughs> we are 40 minutes let me, in. Let me just tell you what. Presidential one shot, zero out of five stars right now, but no, you should see it. Five, but you should see it any, though. Yeah, I mean, like, no, what I mean is this like... Is a five-star podcast I'm right saying here. movie review. If I'm oh, reviewing oh, this yeah, yeah, on, yeah, the to, yeah. on the tomato meter, yeah. this, this John, is a zero percent, but somehow, for some reason, you still need to see it. Yes. Okay? You still, you must see this film but i uh i i'm thinking of bojack because there's a line in one of the seasons when the person that bojack horseman is dating uh breaks up with him they have an argument and she says to bojack you know what i'm realizing when you look at everything through rose-colored glasses all the red flags just look like flags wow that's great yeah I like that. And when 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 you when I you're like <laughs> a new is coming. Yeah, I, could, I just pause for a little bit. I'm trying to trick you. It's inevitable. It's like, oh, is he gonna let this one go? No. At least I can count on that. At least <laughs> right. I can count on Khalid. Right. Uh, but it's you know I can't help but think of that line. And in the context of a relationship, how true it is when mm. you look at someone that way. But when you when you look at your country, when you look at your your community, when you look at the people around you as a patriot, as someone who is proud, when you're always looking for optimism and trying to maintain optimism mm. when you're looking at the country through rose colored glasses yeah all those red flags just look like flags mm. those are red flags we yeah. should have stopped a long time ago yeah. but here's where we are we're over here talking about Kaepernick kneeling and we just elected Man. Donald Trump yeah to be the president we're fussing about Kaepernick yeah taking a knee while there are black people getting killed in the street and the people who are doing the killing getting off, this is what we're focusing on. Yeah. Karnak can't see no. the flaw in the system. No. Ulysses can't see into the future and tell me what's going on. He can't, but this is what we're focused on. And Trump over here. There's so many, there's so many jokes involved here. Somebody, somebody tweeted the other day. Well, apparently it's evident that time travel has not been invented because we know that someone would have come here to stop this moment from happening. Yes, yes. And to some degree, bravo, excellent tweet. But to another degree, frankly, this is a moment in history that apparently will be useful. Because it, uh, it all depends. We, can be. But I'm I'm I can think be. I think we must change. It can be a pivot. It we, can be. We must change to survive, or we will not survive. We're not. There's there's no other option. Like <laughs> somebody else says, like, hey, France. All of these states, all this whole swath of this continent that we bought from you, we don't need this part no more. <laughs> this central uh, portion of the United States of America, all this stuff we bought from you, France, you can have that back. I don't need that no more. Like, yeah. There are a lot of opportunities to make light of this, and I want to enjoy some of those, uh, those forms of escapism and entertainment, try to put a smile on my face, but at the same time, like at a certain point, we, we must, 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 must reckon with this. Take a day or whatever you need to, to take a very deep breath. And when you exhale, get in the trenches. Yeah. We have a lot of work to do. Yeah. 
I, I sure could use that Agamotto right now. <laughs> like, let me rewind this shit real quick. Well, you got to do a lot of study. You got to know how to understand a bunch of lines and dots on, on some old paper. Yeah. And you got to get through Wong until the Swinton. Yeah. So, you know. That's fine. I'll just I'll just slip lemonade under the door. Wong ah. be like, ooh, what's this? Yeah, Wong, listen to You this. know he's a couple years behind. Yo, like, Wong. I don't think Kamartage is up on uh, Apple Music. Listen to your boy right now. Listen to Lemonade. Go ahead and put this in the earphones. Six inch heels. He, Wong, he's just, just his eyes are huge. <laughs> he's like, what is this? <laughs> so that is our uh, 2016 election coverage uh portion of the show now that we've shared all that rule of the uh the the moral of the story is always forward mm-hmm. forward always mm-hmm. self-care self-awareness let's move forward yeah now mm-hmm. on to this news and on to the rest of this show Thank you guys for staying with us. Just so you know, let's get this get this uh, important stuff out of the way. This podcast is brought to you by Bear Fruit, a Philadelphia-based lifestyle brand dedicated to turning beliefs into creative action and inspiring others to do the same. We hope that this podcast inspires you. That's the goal. If you want to learn more about Bear Fruit, go to barefruit.com. That's B-3-A-R-F-R-U-I-T.com. Sign up for the newsletter. Check out the store. Buy some merchandise. That helps us to keep the show popping. Also, if you want to buy some official comic book Junto merchandise, you can go to tpublic.com forward slash user forward slash comic book junto that's j-u-n-t-o mm-hmm. now if you want to tweet along with us as you've been listening to the first 40 minutes of this podcast or go back and tweet along with us you can uh hit adam up on twitter using what's the john uh at Adam Tetris, A-D-A-M-T-E-T-E-R-U-S. And for me, it's at Octavius A. Newman, O-C-T-A-V-I-U-S-A-N-E-W-M-A-N. The show Twitter, at Comic Book Junto. Also, you can also leave comments on our SoundCloud as well at different points so we can check that out as well. Mm-hmm. So now we're about to get into this news. About to give you guys some good things to think about, look uh-huh. forward to, and crack jokes about. Because that's what we do here at Comic Book Junto. That's we keep it real. We uh-huh. tell the truth because we truth tellers. That's our, that's our superpower. Uh-huh. And at the same time, we bring the good news as we, well. We we're trillium exporters. I, yeah. We export trillium. We keep it true and real. Mm-hmm. That's how we get down. I do want to say, you know, outside of the normal context of geek news, uh, movies and comics and video games and all that, I want to shout out something that I'm incredibly excited for. And it is this week. It's this on is, Friday. This is, this, is, this is a part of geek culture too now. It is. You're right. It this is, is a huge is. part of geek culture. Especially since, you know, months ago, we, we gave a shout to the Five Foot Assassin. Yes. Fife Dog. But we get a new Tribe Called Quest album on Friday. And the Five Foot Assassin with the Roughneck Business is a part of it. Yes, he is. Mm-hmm. Apparently, they recorded a lot of new material. Fresh new stuff. This yeah. ain't old stuff. No, this is not old stuff. Um, uh, Andre is on it. Kendrick. 3,000. Uh, what, what are the other Andres? Just clarifying for the people. Okay, I just want to know. Andre 2000. Everybody's unsure. not a part of this culture the way we are. Andre 2K. I don't know if he made the cut, but Andre 3. He's definitely there. Yes. Uh, Kendrick Lamar, Busta Rhymes, you know, Fife is on the album. Like, I I Ooh, am so excited for album. this. It's and called- the last one. This is it. This is the final Tribe album. Right, because Fife is not with us anymore. Uh-huh. Rest in power to, to Fife. So the album's called We Got It From Here. Thank you for your service. Yeah. I haven't heard a thing. Nope. I've seen the artwork. I'm ready. Mm-hmm. And I'm also ready for Saturday Night Live mm-hmm. because it's going to be hosted by Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle. What? I don't even know. Dave he's, he's never hosted SNL before. And, you know, apart from going to see him 
live, which is difficult to get tickets for. I, I and saw him a couple years ago. It's rare. Uh, you know, nobody nobody sees his he material. He's randomly anymore. doing a show in Columbus, Georgia. I don't know where. Like of all, not Atlanta, Georgia, Columbus, Georgia. They do it, man. If you're Dave Chappelle, do whatever the hell you want. But yeah. I am so excited. I am so excited to see Dave Chappelle on television again. That's it's a good thing. It's yeah. going to be a good time. So sign me up for that. I'm excited about that. That is great news. Um, also, more news, great news, good news for Marvel Studios. Doctor Strange apparently is making a lot of dough out here. Yes, it is. That movie is doing extremely well. $75 million opening weekend. Mm. So it's going to be sticking around for a little while. Oh, I, yeah. I wonder how much of that $75 million comes from IMAX 3D. Because well, you know they're making a lot more money. When they're doing that IMAX 3D. But this is one of the few movies that I've seen that actually, if you listen to our one shot, oh, yeah. which came out on Doctor Strange, we do a review on, did a review on Doctor Strange. We both said IMAX 3D, this is one of the few movies that I would say IMAX 3D makes a difference. But that joint is expensive. Yes. $75 million, that's like four IMAX 3D tickets. It's an expensive experience. Mm, yeah, you're right. That's like four it Might be people. a little bit off, but I think you, I, get, <laughs> I, get, I, get, I get the basic math. I'm pretty good at math. You know who likes... Doctor Strange. Who's that? Jaden Smith. Oh, this guy. I've, I feel like I don't have enough Jaden Smith in our news. Well, that's because when we get something from him, he gives us enough for a couple <laughs> years. <laughs> yeah, you just savor that for a little while. Jaden Smith. He saw the movie. He, he did see the movie. He enjoyed it immensely. Uh, and we know and that. he was inspired <laughs> yeah. to make some life changes and some decisions about what he wants to do with the rest of his life. The, the trajectory of his life yeah. seems to have taken on. This young man. Something different. He, he tweets in the best way, too, because every, every word is capitalized. Oh, yeah. You know? So there's a very careful attention paid to the tweet that he's putting out into the world, mm -hmm. to the message that he is sharing. Mind you, this is the man who came to a wedding dressed up as Batman. All white. In all white costume. <laughs> so just giving you, you know, perspective. All right, Jaden Smith says, just watched Doctor Strange. I'm completely blown away. And I'm going to dedicate the rest of my life to those practices. Thank you. <sighs> what, 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 what practices? Like which ones? Just like controlling time, <laughs> Jaden becoming the sorcerer supreme. Obviously, I mean, like, what do you mean? What practices? <laughs> I mean, magic. That's good. That's good. Magic. I think someone must do it, so it it ought to be Jaden. Well, like I, the, we, the the sorcerer supreme is an important role. Yeah, I agree. You know, somebody's got to do it. And to my understanding, I, I can't name our current sorcerer supreme, but I don't think we're I, supposed to know who that person is. I think it's something like every four years they get elected, they're for a new election. I don't know if Jaden is old enough to run for sorcerer supreme or what happens. Mm -hmm. Like, is there a debate component? Is there a competition? Do you need to best your your peers? Yeah. How this work? I don't, I don't really know. Do you have to make has cool he, monster? Has he, oh, <laughs> has he found uh, out how to make cool monster? Ain't nobody found out. Jesse Eisenberg don't know. Ain't nobody found out how to make cool monster. <laughs> has he been to Carmitage? That's what I need to know. I don't know. Because, you know, you can't be appropriating uh, Sorcerer Supreme culture. Camartage sounds like uh, uh, a Donald Trump casino. Just for the record, so we get this out of the way, it does sound like a casino. It does. Yeah. It does. How do you feel about, how does it like, I mean, Jaden Smith, how do you feel about this guy? I love Jaden Smith. I think when Jaden Smith first came onto the scene and was tweeting often, I was taken aback by just his, 
weird attitude and the, 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 like the, the messages and wisdom that he was bursting into my Twitter timeline. Mm -hmm. It was very bizarre. I didn't know what to make of it, but over time I've really come around to value that in my life. Mm. Um, he's, he is fabulously strange. And yeah, I really I think that like is a it. very good way of putting it. Yeah. He's fabulously, fabulously strange. Yeah. I, I think that's a good way to leave. I like it. I like the whole Smith family. They're holding it down. I like that. Willow and Jaden and everybody. Yeah. Will, of course. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, let's keep on Marvel movies. So Dr. Strange is doing very well. Yes. So moving over to a franchise that is tried and true, Tom Holland's and Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. We have some news about upcoming Spider-Man movies, yeah. uh, and this comes to us actually by way of the new Spider-Man, Tom Holland. Mm -hmm. And we have uh, some details on a contract or a series of contracts that Tom Holland has signed for the amount of Spider-Man movies that we are going to see. So what we know is he is doing three solo Spider-Man movies and tie-ins with other Marvel opportunities that he would not name. Like he says he has options available to him. Like you could be in this Avengers movie. You could be in something else. And he was unable to divulge all of those details. But we're going to get a lot of Spidey in the future. I like it. I like it too. We also found out what our vulture is going to look like. Well, possibly. Well, yeah. Okay. So we have concept artwork. Um, and, uh, it gives us an opportunity to see one of the three villains from Spider-Man Homecoming. Wait, there's three villains? Yeah. This is news to me. Yeah. There's Shocker, Vulture. I know that. And one that we do not know about. Okay. I know about Shocker. Yeah. I know about Vulture. I didn't know. But did you hear that, um... Michael Keaton's playing Vulture. Yeah, Michael Keaton is confirmed. Confirmed. Confirmed for the role of Vulture, which Bird is amazing. Man. He's Birdman. Batman. For real. Vulture Ooh. Man. Uh, so that's fun. Did you just do an owl? Yeah, I guess was that was that a night pigeon? owl. No, that was a ba night owl. Batman. Ooh. That's a pigeon, that's a isn't pigeon. it? That's a pigeon. That's a pigeon. That's like a sick pigeon. It's, it's a good pigeon, though. Thank you. I was able to recognize those pigeons. I spent a lot of time in the Mark of Frankfurt, Philadelphia subway system. Right. I know a sick pigeon when I hear one. Yeah, or see one. That is true. Have you seen them with the, uh, you know, like the security alarm bracelets on? Like the parole bracelet bracelets? <laughs> that go on? Yeah. Like they're tagged? Yeah. Like they, 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 they're, they're on house arrest? They got house, house arrest joints, yeah. <laughs> okay. Like, this guy's a thug. No. <laughs> he just got out. He out here just running around. You're going to do whatever you want to do, huh? Okay. I like this. I like this. Uh, look, what we know about Birdman is we know that Michael Keaton well, potentially will be wearing a costume that reminds me of the look that we saw a Shocker. Mm. Uh, Bokeem Woodbine had this kind of DIY casual bad guy outfit for Shocker. Mm -hmm. You know, we talked about maybe it being a, a prototype yeah. for a later costume. And if this 3D render or, or concept art is accurate, we see big wings that kind of have this like turbine hover system uh, uh, inside of them. He's wearing a brown leather jacket with the big frill collar. Looks like Rocky from, you know, when he was out there in Russia yeah. training in the snow. Yeah, yeah, it does. And he's wearing a mask. Uh, Vulture doesn't normally wear a mask, not the vulture that I'm used to. It's green and has feathers all over him and bald. Uh -huh. And a long nose. But in this, John, he's wearing uh, some kind of mask over his head. We'll, we'll find out if this is what it's going to look like. We shall see. I'm excited. I'm very, very Listen, excited. I'm, I'm in for the movie. Oh, I'm yeah. in for it. Yeah. You know, you already have my money. Mm -hmm. Don't mess this up. Everybody's looking forward to Spider-Man. That is true. You did a great job. 
um, with him in Civil War. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. And this is going to take us into the like the teenage aspect, teenage ground level aspect of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, he's going to be more fun. We haven't spent any, we don't have any stories there. Which you know, is surprising when you think about that. Well, I mean, it's, you know, Marvel's done a great job of breaking up the, the different aspects of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. Like, in with spoilers for Doctor Strange, mm-hmm. spoilers for Doctor Strange, spoilers for Doctor Strange. Three, two, one, it's your fault. And Doctor Strange, they introduce the multiverse. That is right. So we got the multiverse, we've got street level um, Hell's Kitchen, we've got science and all that stuff that's going on in New York. Mm-hmm. We've got kind of the adult level stuff. We've got Asgard. You know, we've got the dark spiritual magic area. Mm-hmm. And now we have like kind of the teenage <laughs> high school. High school. You know, and all of those stories are important because when you think about comic books, all of those are stories that we address. Yeah, absolutely. And they're doing a good job creating all those different areas. Yeah. I want to see if they're going to actually go into horror though. <laughs> Well, I'm, you know, I have plans for this. Mm-hmm. I've got a screenplay waiting for mm-hmm. somebody to pick up. Kevin mm-hmm. Feige, give me a call. Pick yep. up the phone. Uh, I have ideas for a man thing, horror treatment. Uh huh. And uh, I know you're listening to the show, so thank you for your five stars and the positive comment. Yeah, just I'm, I seriously, please return my voicemail and drop the lawsuit. Yeah, okay, right. I'm just trying just to give take, you ideas. Yeah, here. you're just trying to be helpful. Yeah, some people don't know how to appreciate. You don't money. like money. You don't like money? That's fine. I'll take my business elsewhere. I can't. No one wants me. <laughs> Help. <laughs> Come on. Let's work together. There has been a uh, a, a Man-Thing movie. It, the, the Sci-Fi Channel actually produced it back in 2005. But we don't want to talk about that. And it's horror. For what it's worth. Horrible. It is horrible. If it were a horror movie that went by any other name, if it was not called Man-Thing, it's a tolerable horror movie. It's not bad. Wait, what? It's not bad. Is it bad or is it good? As a man thing movie is horrible. Okay. As a horror movie, it's okay. Okay. You know what I mean? No. Okay, cool. I'll allow it. I'm glad we got that cleared up. As long as you get it, I'm with you. I'm going with it. You're the man thing authority. I'm, I'm not you ha- I'm letting you have this one. I don't recommend watching it. I don't re- let me just say so don't it's watch not it. good then. No, I mean, I mean there's a when you're a horror movie fan, you there's can't an appreciation tell the for good and then tell people don't watch it. Jupiter Sending was one of All right. the best All right. movies. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was not. I went and saw that movie because you told me to go see it. I'm sitting in this movie theater by myself like, what am I, what's this dude got me watching? Bro, yeah. Roller skating around on air. Very good. No. <laughs> Hopefully Fantastic Beasts is better. Eddie Redmayne. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Can you imagine if he pulls out the same stops that he had in Jupiter Ascending? No. No. I create life. <laughs> and they destroy it! I'm sorry. Wrong character. I apologize. Is that not what you want? I apologize. Oh, okay. Can I get a second take on that? You're just going to keep this in the film? Okay. Right. What, what's happening with this Harry Potter franchise? Yeah. J.K. Rowling, you've lost it. You lost your touch. Yeah. Signed, Eddie Redmayne. Maine. <laughs> All right. So going on to DC movies, we talked about Rick Famuyiwa leaving yeah. The Flash. And... You know, that was unfortunate. We were really excited to see the director of Dope do his version of The Flash. We're not the only people disappointed. Yeah. So, um, Kersey Clemens, did I say it right? That's right. Yeah. Kersey Clemens, we know her from Dope, mm-hmm. which, no, 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 no. We know her from Dear White People. She was, she was in Dope. She played Diggy. Was that the, no. Yeah. 
Is that the same person? Kersey Clemens. No, Adam. Yo, I let me tell you what. I put this IMDB link in this card. You did. Specifically to make sure that I was getting this straight. Is and that, yes. Wait, is she from Dear White People, though? No, I, I have from Dear White People. I have not seen Dear White People, so I, I don't wait know, but minute. I don't believe wait, wait, so. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, I think, I think we might have our wires crossed here. Uh-huh. Who, who is the person who was in The Flash? Is it Kirstie Clemens or is it the girl from um, Dear White People? Kirstie Clemens is playing the role of Iris West hmm. in the new upcoming Flash movie. Okay, so I had it, I had it messed up. Who are you thinking of? I was thinking of the main character from Dear White People. But now that you say it, this this makes more sense to me. I just had the characters, I had the actresses mixed up. That's my fault. Okay. I thought, I, I, I just, you know what it is? I probably just mixed it up in my head. Mm-hmm. But anyway, now this makes even more sense. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. she... Or were you talking about Tessa Thompson? I, I had it, yeah. I had Who this is, all mixed okay. up. Okay. You know what I mean? Sure, sure, sure. I had the characters in the wrong movies and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. now the story even makes even more sense. Yeah. So she played in Dope, which was the same movie that Rick directed. That's right. So here's her perspective on this whole situation. She's saying that, quote, Rick was one of the main reasons I wanted to do the movie so him not being a part of it is obviously very upsetting to me. Ugh. All I can do is give it up to the gods. Let's see what happens. Let's see who's going to jump in. Ezra and I are going to do what we promised to do from the beginning. No matter who the director is, I'm going to do what I think Irish. I'm going to do what I think Irish should be. Yeah. So that is not the most encouraging kind of response. You ever go on a road trip? where there are multiple cars involved and there's a car filled with people that you want to be with. Mm. But for some reason, yes. like, yo, we just, I, I don't have any more available seats in my yes. car. You're going to have to go with Neil. Yeah. And Neil is driving and you're like, Oh, ter- I, I don't like Neil. A terrible taste of music. I don't want to go. With, yeah. He's always listening to bad, uh, uh, satellite radio. I just like, I'm not, Neil, look, I bet you're fine, man. I just don't want to be in the car with you for this long, this yeah, amount of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel for you, Kersey Clemens, because you thought you were going in that car with Rick. You thought. You thought. You thought that ride was going to be dope, and it's not. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. Satellite radio with you. So it's that sucks, man, especially being attached to the project and then having it slip out from under you. Ouch. I get you. Yeah. I get you. I mean, because there are a lot of situations where, I mean, even with certain jobs, you go to certain places because there's a certain manager there or something like that, or you go to a certain agency because you want to work with certain people, and then that manager leaves, or mm-hmm. those people decide to move on, and you're kind of like, man, the whole reason why I came here is because I wanted to work with them. Yeah. Now they're not here. I kind of don't want to be here anymore. Yeah. But kind of signed that contract, too. Well, it so. seems like DC movies are maybe in a little trouble right now. I know we have uh, the Justice League movie coming, and we also have Flash coming at some point in time, and we have some new rumors. Wonder Woman, Aquaman. Wonder Woman and Aquaman, absolutely. We have some new rumors about the upcoming Batman movie, The Batman, supposedly. Working title. Uh-huh. Um, apparently, the word is... The Ben Affleck script is not that good. This is 100% rumorville. Yeah, so this is I mean capital R rumor. Almost this is down this is almost way down the grapevine. Now, even so much so that the person who shared this information has since said, "You know what? 
I shouldn't have even said anything. That is true. Let me clarify. So what did he say? All right. So what this person is saying is he was at a dinner with executives and he was talking about the Batman script and pointed out, quote, here's 30 things that are wrong with it, the script, that we can fix. And the executives that he was speaking with said, we don't care. <laughs> we don't really care. The amount of money we're going to make globally, I mean, 70% of our audience is not going to be seeing this in English. And it doesn't really matter. These things that you're bringing up about the flaws of the script, they don't matter. So I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. But at the same time, uh, Ben Affleck has made sure that he has gone out in public and said he only will work with the highest quality script, the best people on the team. He is not shooting to make some half-assed Batman movie. Right. So, you know, maybe it's an early draft. Maybe sure. it just needs some smoothing over. Sure. Maybe they need to invite Tom King to take a look at that thing. Scott Snyder. Scott Snyder. Frank Miller. <laughs> I don't know if no, they need Frank, Frank Miller. Miller. No, maybe they need to call Alan Moore. No, they should probably just not. I don't think he has a phone in the cave that he lives in. That's what we want to do. But so, but the guy who's made that comment has since come out and said, "You know what? I shouldn't even say anything." Uh, Let me let me clarify. I am not working on Batman movie. I haven't seen the script of the Batman movie. I don't know anything that's going on with the Batman movie. I just was talking. Here's a new rumor. The reason he has said that and rebuked his comments is because he got a phone call from a gravelly voice, sounded like Batman. And that person said, snitches get stitches. <laughs> Batman just called me? And this guy just came back to the interviewer. He's like, look, take it all back. Take it off the site. Right. Delete, 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 delete. Delete all that. <laughs> Batman's, Batman is on my ass right now. <laughs> get rid of it. Yeah. Um, but uh, who's the guy who's playing Deathstroke? Uh, John Maginello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He uh-huh. so he's saying some really positive things about the movie. That's he's right. He's saying that it's really action packed, gritty, and like mentally kind of like there. You know, you really get to see that Batman go through like the mental gymnastics. Mm-hmm. So that's the stuff. Like he's kind of making this distinction from his perspective. Going, we haven't seen this version of Batman before. The Christopher Nolan Batman. You know the the Tim Burton Batman. Those Batman movies have been cool in their own way. Yeah. But they haven't really given us the gritty, action packed, like aggressive, violent, mentally in deep Batman that we get from the comics. Yeah. So. And when you look at Ben Affleck, when you look at the, you know, what, what the, what's the new movie I just saw him in? And he just, oh, The Accountant, the Accountant. which was really good. Yeah. When you look at um, what this the, this new movie he's got coming out, kind of like this gangster flick that he's directing. Mm. Like when you look at the stuff that he's done with the town and Argo, he makes different kinds of movies. He, yeah. doesn't, he doesn't do your just regular like whip cam Batman. Like, yeah, what we've sure. already seen him in Batman v Superman, he's kicking butt. Like, yeah. he's actually going ham sandwich on people. And that's the Batman we've never seen. We've never seen the action-packed, using the gadgets, you know, breaking stuff, throwing people off this, off, off of things. Yeah. Like, that's the Batman that I want to see on film. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I have high hope. I have very high hope. And frankly, if anyone is pointing out that the script doesn't look perfect right now i think now's a good time to point that out yeah so if, even if this is a rumor it's sort of inconsequential and right now this is looking rough so we gonna fix it okay and i think ben affleck cares enough about this character and cares enough about his legacy as batman that 
he's not half stepping. Like I really feel confident in Ben Affleck. I hope and so. The stuff that he's been doing lately. I hope so. so. Absolutely. Uh, we also have some news uh, from Ben Affleck is going to be the director of that Batman movie. And speaking on directors, I want to turn our attention to the legendary, the infamous Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. yeah. Who has apparently announced his retirement. Mm. After uh, two more films, he says he's going to do two more movies because he wanted, two he wanted to do 10. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was good. One for the plug, I one guess, for the and one for the load. Uh, Quentin Tarantino says, I'm planning on stopping at 10, so it'll be two more. Even if at 75, if I have this other story to tell, it would still kind of work because that would make those 10. They would be there and that would be that. But the one he did when he was an old... <laughs> What's he saying? Old effing man. Yeah, that geriatric one exists completely on its own in the old folks' home and has never put in the same shelf next to the other ten. So it doesn't contaminate the other ten. First of all, First of Tarantino, all, you, you don't get to decide. Get how, your, get it straight. Are you gonna do ten? Or are you gonna do twenty-seven? Which one are you gonna do? <sighs> is you finished or, or is, is you done? done? <laughs> like honestly, and here's here's something I want to pull up. Tarantino has been mentioning retirement for years, for years. This is not the first time that he said that he's going to retire. Years ago, uh, before Hateful Eight, he said, this is it. And even with Hateful Eight, he said, I'm not even making Hateful Eight anymore because people saw that screenplay online. Remember when it, mm -hmm, it, that mm -hmm. the script yeah, yeah, leaked? Yeah. So here is a man. Hateful Eight's a movie I'm never seeing again. Um, that was the first one shot. That we did. It's not even that it's bad. It's or just was Star Wars the first one Star shot? Star Wars is the first Okay, one. so this was the second one shot. I don't remember. That we did Go back for Comic look. Book Junto, and it was a tough one, okay? It was, it was a difficult experience. It wasn't a bad movie. It's just long. Yes. Yeah. So much talking. So Tarantino has been talking about hanging it up for a very long time. I understand if he wants to get two more out of the way, but I feel like the words that he's using don't matter right now. He can just say, I think I want to make two more and say nothing else. And there's your story. Thinking about making two more, says Tarantino. Thinking about stopping after that. But okay. in the same breath, he's like, but if I decide to make more, what? So I guess I guess what you're saying is is you want to kind of almost create the Tarantino verse and complete it there, mm -hmm. and then if you do anything else, you know, because the the whole conversation about Tarantino's movies is that they're all connected in some sort of way, you know, mm -hmm. like the theory that they're all in the same universe, right? Like that the people when they go to the movies they go see Kill Bill. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's what they see when they go to the movies. They see that kind of stuff. That's right. So, I guess, and that people who are in Inglorious Bastards actually have some sort of, like, heritage and, like, lineage to people from Pulp Fiction, I yeah, believe. Or yeah, or something like that, which I think is cool. Yeah, I just I need like that to spell idea. it out for me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I need you to connect it for me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, make one of these movies the one where you connect the whole lineage and make it all make sense. If he ain't going to do that. I, I, I make doubt. Sure you do John Wick. Uh, make sure you do uh, Deadpool. Deadpool 2. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. I was gonna, you got two more in the, in the hopper. I do not think one of those is Deadpool too? Hey, well, I could be wrong. Maybe I could. We gotta be get wrong. him in the Marvel Cinematic Universe before he goes. It's not gonna happen. Oh, that'd be something. That would be something. Uh, thinking can... of uh, other movies that are coming out. Just some quick uh, insight. I don't know if you peeped it, but we got our first look at the Megazord. I did in the upcoming Power Rangers movie from the toys. From the toys. Right. So this is not a screenshot or a teaser or a trailer. 
is the toy. People are pissed. Yeah? People are mad. How do you feel? I don't really care. <laughs> Honestly, I don't really care. Because number one, you can't trust toys. Have you seen... Okay, for you example... You can't trust toys. You can't trust toys. You go see a movie, and it's got Wolverine in it, right? Uh, you uh, go buy a toy, Wolverine got guns and swords and a mask and an underwater version. Like, none of that stuff is in the movie. Sure. So a lot of times, toys don't literally look like the same thing they do in the movie. Yeah. So we haven't seen actual footage or video of the Megazord. So... People are pissed. People are upset. You ruined my childhood. Well, your childhood is very fragile if a toy ruined it. Yeah. But, um, I mean, it doesn't look like the regular Megazord, the Megazord from, you know, days of old. Yeah. So no. we'll have to see it actually show up on screen and see it move. It looks a little, we always say, it, you, I want to see it move. It, uh, it, it looks a little like a cross between Kamen Rider. You ever see Kamen Rider? I don't know what that old Japanese TV show. Uh, there was a movie too, I think. Um, uh, about this like alien dude on a motorcycle. It was awesome. Looks Rider, <laughs> kind of ish. Common okay. Rider is awesome. It looks like a combo. Common's playing Ghost Rider. Common Rider. He got a new album out. Amazing. That, yeah, Common yeah, does this have a is new Common. One. That's my. That's a terrible Common. I'm not going to even try. Common is getting into uh, uh, comic book movies. So like, do not put it past them to get into geek culture. Just slipping through the back door. Cameo and Suicide Squad. What are you doing there, Common? I don't want no beef. What are you doing there? He didn't want no beef. No. Well, he got one. Nah, Mr. Joker. That's your girl. <sighs> nah, I don't want to revisit that right now. The point is, the Megazord looks like a combo between Cloverfield Monster okay. and this old Japanese show I used to like. And you feel what about it? Fine. I'm fine with it. Yeah, whatever. Totally fine with it. Yeah. I'm, I will be very surprised if Power Rangers is not completely whack. Yeah, so I, right I'm not now, expecting I'm, it to be good, but I'm going to check it out. Yeah. Agreed. All right, so now since we talked about Common being Ghost Rider, apparently that's not going to happen because we already have Ghost Rider. Mm -hmm. And it's on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. People seem to love it. They seem to be super excited about it, so much so that we're having conversations about Ghost Rider possibly being a part of it, getting its own Netflix series uh. or going to have its own film. So it's One of the two. It's being received so well, I guess, in the TV show. It's like a proving grounds. Marvel is saying people want, people want Ghost Rider. People want it. Because apparently there are not one, two, but two Ghost Riders in the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV Robbie show. Robbie Reyes and Johnny Blaze. And Johnny Blaze. So I haven't watched it, but when I heard that both of them are in the movie, I know that both of them are in the comics. Yeah. They've like engaged with each other in the comics. But... I, I don't know enough to be able to break it down and tell you exactly what's what and who's who and how this, that, and the other thing. Yeah. But I know Nick Cage is not involved. So, well, shame. You know, I, I, maybe he was busy. I don't know if they were able to Making B-movies that go straight to Netflix? That's entirely possible, to too. Debt. That's entirely possible, too. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they didn't even consult with him. Maybe they did. Maybe they're like, Nick Cage, you got the scoop. You have been Johnny Blaze before. Tell us, JB... What does it take to don the spirit of vengeance? Mm. Well, uh, here's what they're saying. Um, so they talk to the actor who's playing Robbie Reyes, and here's what he says. Um, it's been talked about, and this is referring to like the movie slash Netflix. It says, it's been talked about. There's definitely deals in place for that potential, but I just take it one day at a time. I have so much fun now. I just want to make sure I get these episodes right. If they throw more episodes on my plate, I'll do my best to do well with the stories with those stories as well. So 
that's pretty much what's going on. They're already in conversations about going to Netflix or um, going to the to the to the big screen. So I guess in that way, that would be a more immediate bridge between Agents of Shield and, say, the Defenders, Luke Cage. So we we haven't had a very explicit bridge between ABC's Agents of Shield and Netflix's Jessica Jones. But if you have a character actually move over into Netflix territory, maybe that would be the thing that binds everything together. That'd be interesting. But the thing is, what he's saying is, it's not a, that's a good idea. It's like, no, we're, we're already doing that. Yeah. You're not telling, you're not suggesting something to me that's new. Mm-hmm. Marvel Studios and them, they, that's already in, in motion. This is going to be either on Netflix or a movie. They're in the process of creating a Ghost Rider brand already. Yeah. So that's exciting. It's interesting to me. I didn't see that coming. Me either. I did not. I mean, when I saw, I'm just not a big young, I'm just not a big Ghost Rider. Not, excuse me, I'm not a big Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fan. Sure. But again, that's what Marvel Studios is doing. They're yeah. giving all these different versions. They got everything from the gritty Netflix, bloody John Barenthal being Punisher, to, you know, family TV. You yeah. know what I'm saying? But yeah. the family TV is just not my, that's not how I really want my Marvel, my Marvel storytelling. Um, so, yeah. All right, let's stay on Netflix while we're here on the platform uh, to talk about Stranger Things and Stranger Things and all of its popularity. We know that we're getting a season two and apparently a season three. If you haven't seen Stranger Things, I, What's wrong and, with you? I don't know what you're doing. What if you have a Netflix subscription, an internet connection, and you haven't seen Stranger Things, it is time. Watch 13th. Watch Birth of a Nation. Mm-hmm. Watch Luke Cage. Watch Stranger Things. Family fun. Yeah. (laughs) Beginning to end. Watch Black Mirror. Only one episode per day. (laughs) Season three, episode three is disturbing. Uh Uh-huh. And also, just something fun. Watch Chewing Gum. Chewing Gum. Funny. What's this? Chewing Gum is kind of like, I've only seen one episode, my wife and I, but it's like a British UK comedy, um, a younger black girl who is... Like in a very, very Christian religious family, and she's kind of trying to find her way in life. Okay. Like, you know, like find her own way. Mm-hmm. It's very funny, very well shot, very colorful, mm-hmm. very, I mean, laugh out loud funny. Okay. Yeah. I will check this out. That's a good thing. If you just want to get a quick laugh in, short episodes, it's funny. It's only six episodes in the season. It's oh. a Netflix original. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Chewing Gum. I'll, yeah. I'll look at Chewing Gum. But anyway, as you were saying about Stranger Things. Look, Stranger Things is getting season two. We have a, a few plot details, largely revolving around who the story is going to focus on. And as it happens, it's going to be focusing on the core group from the first movie, that group of friends. And if how you don't want to know this... Spoilers. Yeah, so I'm not, I'm not going to spoil anything about what happens to those people, but the people that you get to know and come to care about in the first season, you will be sticking around with for the second season. No word on what happens in the third. Um, the director has also mentioned that there are going to be several new characters that people are going to love. He seems really confident and excited about what's coming for season two. And they're also going out of their way to note season three is going to be prepared. They're not going to get caught off guard. It's not going to be like 
when Lost was going into, uh, I don't know, season four or five, and suddenly we just have to write like hell and hope everything comes together. They're prepared to tell a comprehensive, coherent story. Now, it's not that what he's not saying is that we've been cleared for season three, nah. but they're optimistic. That's right. And since they're optimistic, they want to prepare. Mm-hmm. They don't want to just be writing stuff and trying to be like, oh, well, oh, season three, I guess we'll, uh, we plan to end it here, but, you know, yeah. yeah. I, I think they're hedging their bet correctly. I mean, we loved season one. Yeah. And if they do anything remotely similar for uh, season two, then yeah, absolutely I'm going to want more. All right. Now, this is what I'm going to read. Spoilers for well, season two. Uh huh. This is just a little information about what season two is going to look like. I was going to keep this part out. I thought the Blackout Congregation would just have my head. If You're I going to s- leave it out? Or I, I just thought I thought I would get l- letters. I thought people would be nailing things to my front door. Really? That's what I thought. Do they know where you live? Are you putting your address out there? I don't know how Blackout Congregation does. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what y'all over there doing, but I know I ain't playing with (laughs) y'all. Okay. Got you. Got you. Okay. So we'll leave this part out. If you want to know more about season two, then the information is there for you, internet. You can go go look at it. Let's just say that the whole thing we were going to say, redacted. Okay? Redacted. Let's just say we said all of that. Use the Aya Agamotto to go backward in time. Take all of that out. Simple. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, today, we had some, you know, yesterday, today, it's been kind of a downer. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, see, sometimes what happens oh. is when you're down, you get something to lift you up. Oh, yeah. You have something that says, I know you're struggling. I know you're going through it. But I've got something to bring your spirits up, Adam. Are we talking about peanut M&M's still? Not exactly. Okay. <laughs> but see, I have something because th- th- there are things moving on. Like, see, some of you felt like you casted your vote and it didn't matter. Some of you felt like your voice wasn't being heard. That's right. And in some scenarios, it wasn't being heard. But with this one right here, the people have been heard. Mm-hmm. And change is coming. The powers that be. The powers of us joined together uh-huh. and us putting all of our voice in a particular direction has turned into something to celebrate. What have we Internet. Done? What is it? Young Justice Season 3 mm-hmm. is official. And the internet. Went, we did it. The internet went crazy. We did it. That's right. We freaked. You must be very happy. Yes, I'm is. You've been hoping for this for a very long time. Yes. Um, do you remember when season two wrapped up? Was just over? Yeah, it was kind of like a cliffhanger. Yeah. And it was like, wait, what happened? Why? I thought the episodes just stopped. Yeah. But we don't know who the villain is. We don't know what 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 channel it's going to be on or what network. We don't know exactly anything, but we know it's official. It's coming back. That's right. We did it. Internet, and we did it. Warner Brothers actually launched a website to share the news, uh, yjs3.com. Oh, yeah. So it's kind of like a watch this space. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. It looks like they have a, a newsletter that you can join to get updates. But hey, hey, congratulations, man. Hey, our powers combined. Mm-hmm. We did it. Mm-hmm. And Malcolm Kenyatta, I don't know how you were a part of this, but good on you. There it is. Thank you for your work. Absolutely. Now, all I know is this website needs some help. 
Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the website is struggling. Sense. Let's not start it off on the wrong it's foot now. Okay. <laughs> we got it this far, but let's 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 push through now. That is true. You know what I mean? Let's not let's let's come correct now. Hey, speaking of, of voices being heard, uh over the past couple of weeks, we have talked about this story and one final update on this. J. Scott Campbell and that infamous Riri Williams Invincible Iron Man number one mm-hmm. variant cover. Yeah. First one we don't like. We, we talked like that one at length about why and that variant was pulled by Marvel yes and then J. Scott last week made a sketch shared it on the internet Mm -hmm. and said okay how about round two yeah here's my new version of Riri Williams and he said you guys got the other one taken down maybe I'll get the second shot Mm -hmm. maybe you'll get this one put up and we did it that's what happened yeah so I gotta say this is one of my favorite variants oh yeah of all. I'm not not just like better than the previous uh, uh, J. Scott Campbell versions because of course, mm-hmm. but it is awesome. It is superior to is, a lot I of the variants. Because ca- we have read, you know, Iron, Inven- is it Invincible Iron Man? Invincible one? Iron Man. That captures Riri Williams. Yeah. That captures the vibe. It captures her as a person and kind of when you see her origin story and where she came from and all that kind of stuff and you yeah. see that cover, it's like, yes, this this is so I think this does the this is the best job. Yeah. Yeah, this is the best job out of all of them to me. Yeah. Looks great. So I apparently Midtown Comics and Marvel contacted J. Scott Campbell and uh-huh. said, Hey, Can how about that? how about how about we get that off Let of you? Let me get that. Yeah, let me get that. Uh, J. Scott's and, and like, they did it. how much you give me for it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, look. Oh, so, oh, oh, yeah. oh. Oh, so now you, oh, okay. That must you, have l- been. Last week, you ain't know me. That, now I'm hot you all on me. Yo, you that, know what I'm saying? That, that must have been something. That really Oh, so you something. want this one, huh? You going to take the first one. You was cool <laughs> with that one, so don't make, all right, let's sign a different contract now. Uh-huh. Because y'all won't act like you don't know nobody when the internet get hype. Yeah. Okay? Um, I, wonder, I wonder what he sold it for. Maybe he was all hot, hot on it, and he was like, "Okay, this one I want. This one's for my personal personal collection. I'll be willing to let it go. Two thousand dollars." And they're like, "Oh wow, we easily like, would have given you two hundred thousand. Two thousand dollars. Uh, sh- sure, Jay. Yeah, sure. Here you go. You you, you good? Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, so we're just gonna pay that PayPal that over to you. Yeah, uh, yeah. They Venmoed that. Yeah, I think. <laughs> we can get it to you now. Can we just get you to sign this? Make sure that yeah yeah so it's a good thing yeah I'm excited for it yeah I'm very excited unfortunately for it. it's very far away from me so yeah I don't know how I'm going to get my hands on that one but yeah. I'm sure it'll be at some sort of like you know con or something like that I, it's probably going to go for money too because there's a story behind this uh this this whole thing there's this whole like timeline to what brought this variant like into it, existence I, we talked about getting it wrong the right way yeah that is how to get it wrong the right way Agreed. that's the way to take feedback. Go back, try it again, do it better. Agreed. I respect that. Yeah, absolutely. And now on to more, uh, what kind of news is this? Well, it, look, this is familiar territory for Comic Book Junto. Right. And it's uh, a style of story we have reported on before, and it's something that we're going to uh, add to and update right now because we have some new information. We're going to be revisiting... Ghost in the Shell. Yes. And the Ghost in the Shell movie, which is coming out soon, uh, is starring Scarlett Johansson. Why? I don't know. Well, we about to find out. Yeah. So we had a little trailer, a little short 
trailer. No, again, you see, this is not a trailer. This was the trailer for the trailer. Yeah, because this, this John tease. straight up comes out this this teaser, and what it is specifically announcing is a trailer is coming November thirteenth. I hate this man. I I can't stand just like the Iron Fist one. Here's here's a pot with some smoke coming out Ain't of it. No trailer. That's, That's a gif. What are we doing here? Yeah. But what we did see at least is uh, Scarlett Johansson in action. She's doing this active camouflage invisibility cloak mm-hmm. kind of thing and beating up on somebody, a real like swift, sturdy uppercut. This guy goes flying and then she comes back into the realm and you can see her in her costume. So that's the teaser, but that has prompted, among other things, has prompted a defense of her casting. Now, a really quick reminder, if you have not been caught up, the reason that we're talking about this is because Ghost in the Shell is a Japanese story set in Tokyo in the future, uh, sci-fi fiction, and it features a Japanese woman, Major Kusanagi, as the protagonist, the leading role in the story, in the anime, in the uh, manga, in the television series. So Scarlett Johansson is playing Major Kusanagi, and they've changed the name to just Major. They hacked Kusanagi off there. And what we have... Not happy! What we have is a defense from one of the producers of the film. And it goes like this. Look at her films. And this is coming from Michael Costigan. He's one of the producers. She is one of our absolute favorite actors working and somebody who can do what the major has to do. It's a strong character with strength and passion and emotions. And Scarlet can put you into that universe and you believe it. It kind of felt like a class of one. That's what he says. What? What? What does that have to do with anything? Michael Costigan, what? That doesn't address anything. Ain't nobody talking about that. What do you mean a class of one? So you're trying to... So here's what I just heard. This is, this is what I heard. This is the way I interpreted that. She's the only person that could have done it. That's what I heard. Yeah. And I was like... That's that, exactly that, what he said. That's, that's not true. Mm-hmm. The conversation we're having here, again, that you guys are missing, is about representation. When you go to Tokyo, mm-hmm. the superhero is white. Mm-hmm. Huh? When you go to China, the superhero is white. When you go outer space, Matt Damon's there. When you go underwater, Matt, Matt Damon's, Damon's there. there. You go to the desert, you go to the jungle, Matt Damon is Matt there. Damon. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, so you're telling me that the only person that could have done the job is Scarlett Johansson's? No, you're lazy. Yeah. You're lazy. I'm not with this. You pick Scarlett Johansson because sure she can do the job. I'm not with this. So because we spent so much time on the presidential election, we're not going to have our um, our talkback segment. But please do send your talkback con- stuff to us because we're kind of running low on talkback stuff. That's right. So ask, hashtag AskCBJ on Twitter. Send your emails to comicbookjunto at barefruit.com. But... I kind of want to bring in something into this conversation. Okay. It's, I got a tweet from somebody and they said in so many words, maybe the reason why Tilda Swinton was cast to play the ancient one is because she's badass. Okay. And I said in so many words that very well may be, but you can have both. 
You can have Tilda Swinton do a great job and it still be whitewashing. That's right. One does not negate the other. And you can get an Asian actor, actress, whomever, and have that person be a badass. Like Tilda Swinton agreed is a badass. I liked and I she liked did a Tilda fantastic Swinton. Job in the and movie. she did a good job. That's, she, that's not up for debate. She does she not killed it. She does not own the intellectual property of being a badass. She's not the only Great badass. Way of saying that. She's not the only one. She right. doesn't own that. So well, you can't you can't present this argument of well we whitewashed her because she, the only the best person for the job was somebody white. So that's why we justify whitewashing because it was whitewashing for a good cause. It was yeah. whitewashing for the sake of of the movie. That is even more that's even more offensive cuz yeah. what you just said is there were no Asian people who could do the job, so we had to go find somebody yeah, white to this, do it. Yeah, this like the class of one John with with Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett Johansson legitimately commented on this story on her casting and said this. You want you want me to quote it? Please. You know, I think I don't think I don't know if I was the right person, but I think Rupert and I share the same vision for the character. So I think early on having the same conversation, it'll be up on, up to the audience to judge if I'm the right person to play the part. I don't think I was the right. I, I mean, she says, I you know, I think I don't know if I was the right person. <sighs> <laughs> Guys, you got, let's let's get to the point. Let's talk about the point. The point is this. It's about representation. Yeah. That's the conversation. Let's stop with the red herrings. Let's stop with the distractions. Nobody's talking about that. This is a story about an Asian woman in Tokyo. That's what the story is about. Mm -hmm. You have whitewashed it. The end. Mm -hmm. Period. Stop trying to like excuse it and explain it away like we're idiots. We're not dumb. We see what you're doing. You are trying to appeal to the audience you want to appeal with. So this is, in a sense, taking this is what we this is in a sense what we're talking about about cultural appropriation. Yep. This is taking the stuff from the culture that we like. We like your story. We like your environment. We like the world you've created. We just don't like your Asian-ness. Mm -hmm. So we're going to take from your culture what we like about it, mm -hmm. and then we're going to put whiteness over it so we can make it more palatable to the audience that we want to make it. Thank you very much. That's not okay. That's not okay. Don't take the stories and then not take our culture. I mean, and, and not take us. Yeah. That's the point. So don't tell me Tilda Swinton is a, did a great job. Sure she did. I agree. That's not what we're talking about. Don't tell me Scarlett Johansson, you know, what, he, what, what did he say? He goes, look at her films. She's one of our absolute favorite actors working. Nobody asked you that. Yeah. That does not, and, and somebody who can do what Major has to do. No, nobody asked you that. This is what kills me too. It's a strong character with strength and passion and emotions. And Scarlett can put you into that universe and nobody asked you that. No one's talking about that. She can do it and I bet you there's somebody in Philadelphia can do it. There's somebody in Japan that can do it. There's somebody in Tokyo can do it. There's somebody in India that can do it. There's somebody, there, there are so many somebodies all around the world of different ethnicities, cultures, backgrounds, gender, like there's all kinds. But if we want to be true to the story and also go out of our way to represent the world we, list, we live in, Please don't make people the stories for, that represent like an Asian culture. Why would like just why? Like why can't you just let them have it? 
I'm, I'm, that's, I'm, I have to go back to what you said right out the gate. It's lazy. And I think the, the reason it's lazy is because that same rumored response about the Batman script is, I, we don't care about the flaws. We know how much money we're going to make. I don't care if the script is messed up. We know the money we're going to make. And I think that's where the conversation begins and ends for so many executives. It's, I'm, I don't care hey, uh, about... We, the, we had the, uh, the, what's the movie? What's the, uh, what are we working on now? Tom? Tommy, what's the movie working on? Uh, Tokyo Drift? What's, what's it called? What's uh, Adam, what's it called? What, the, what is this? It's the Ghost in the Shell? Ghost in the Shell. That's what I said, Adam. Shut up. Listen, uh, Tommy, Asian girl, uh, Major Fukunaki? Is that what her name is? <laughs> Whatever. You know what I'm talking about. Incredible. We're thinking about make a white. Yeah. You know? I mean, we like that. We like the Asian. Now, now keep the story now, okay? It's an amazing story. But I, it's too much of the, the Asian stuff, all right? Maybe we, we make a white Scarlett Johansson. She's cute. Yeah. <laughs> Action, <laughs> Avengers, right? They like yeah. her. Yeah. Give it, get, you know, they can deal with We don't, you know, because then you got to deal with uh, We don't want to talk with well. Uh, this, is, this is when Danny Let's from- just get that money. I mean, listen. Give the guy. Here's what you do: throw a lot of money at the guy who wrote the book, wrote the whatever. Did, is it a book? What did he write? Did he write it? Is it a cartoon? Whatever it is, give him give him enough money. This is when we get to, this is when good. Danny from the local 44 ma- leaves his union and makes a play for Hollywood. <laughs> Starts really messing things up. I'm this whole thing. Excuse me for Captain saying, Planet. This, Black guy, white. Girl, man. This whole thing. Brown guy, he's white too. Is bullshit. It's It stinks <laughs> like bullshit. It's just awful. The whole like, look, we whitewashed it, but because she's awesome. But it's for a good cause. Get out of here with that. Here. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm done with this. We need to be finished with this cycle. I'm done with this. Now, here's what I need to come up with. As a fan of Ghost in the Shell, how do I protest this appropriately? How do I share my opinion? How do I voice my concern in a way that uh, allows me to enjoy something that I want so badly, Octavius, I want to enjoy? I want to say something that I've heard Ava DuVernay say. Hit me. Ava DuVernay has talked about permission in film. Mm-hmm. People who are just waiting for permission, waiting for someone to give them this and that and the other thing. And she's like, make it. And I say that to say, I've seen a lot of people do a lot with fan-made stuff. Mm-hmm. There's some good fan-made stuff out there. Yeah. And I think that there's some power, at least a step in the direction, is to empower, encourage people to tell, you know, their stories. Mm-hmm. Do, doing the fan-made stuff that gives a different perspective out there. That's one way to do it. Mm-hmm. Another way is, you know, to continue to have conversations like this. To be able yeah. to have the that's great butt conversation. Yeah, Till of course. Swinton was great, but it's whitewashing. Of course. You know, Ghost in the Shell might be awesome, but it would have been better if, you know, look, uh, uh, what's uh, white, uh, great wall of, uh, white, <laughs> great, great white wall of China? Great white wall of China might be good. Yeah. And we might watch and do a one shot and say, hey, it was great. It would be better if the hero was someone from that, that From China. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. Why is Matt Damon talking like that through the whole trailer? It's uh, it's uh, dubbed over. The audio is dubbed over. So oh. it's it's filmed in China by a Chinese director. Okay. And so it's in Chinese. And I'm I'm sure Matt Damon didn't roll up and he was speaking Chinese. Like he didn't come up into the set speaking Mandarin, uh. but everything gets dubbed over. Yeah, that's why. Mm. That's what that is. Okay. But yes, you're right. It feels a little like, huh? 
It's weird. Yeah, it reminds me of watching old like Sergio Leone movies, like Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, because all of those movies were filmed and then they dubbed over with brand new audio. So when you watch a movie and then you listen to it, you're like, ah, this is some kind of cognitive dissonance is taking place here. But that's what that's about. All right. Uh huh. So that's what we got. Yikes. What we got for the news. Uh huh. Um, like I said, we're going to, because we spent so much time on the election, we want to skip over the talkback segment. But please, please, if you're listening to Kampu Junto and you have commented, thank you very much. You have sent us a talkback. Thank you very much. That's right. If you have left us a five-star review, thank you very much. If you've left us comments on SoundCloud, thank you. We ask people who haven't, please do so. Please leave us a five stars and a positive review on iTunes. Please leave us your comments on iTunes. Um, in the five-star reviews, please leave us you know, your comments on our SoundCloud. Please send us emails, comicbookjunto at barefruit.com, and send us your questions using hashtag AskTBJ on Twitter. We could read them on the show and answer them on the show. You can ask us whatever you want. Yeah. Anything you want, whether it be from how do we feel about a movie or a topic of what's going on in current events or media and pop culture um, to, you know, just the geekiest question you can ask. And we might or might not know, Yeah, you know, um, but we want those questions because we want to talk to you. We want to talk back to you. And it's important that we, you know, we engage with you and we get a sense of who you are and where you're coming from, what you're into. Um, but we're going to skip over that. And we're going to go right into books of the week into the brown bag. Happy brown bag day. Happy brown bag day to you, Adam. It is Happy a brown bag day to the internet. It is a little a little light in an otherwise dark day that it is new comic book day. Uh, I went into the shop. I brought the guys some donuts. I got some hugs. It felt good to be with my people. Um, and there are a lot of books out today. Man, there are a lot of books. Uh, I picked up uh, one, two, three, four, five, six books today. Um, All-Star Batman. I'm going to kick off from a pool list. I forgot to get that one. Did you? Dad. I had that one in my hand. I don't know what I did. I yeah. opened my bag up and I was like, where is Batman at? Yeah. <laughs> what did I do? You, you pulled a Two-Face and just like rolled out of the truck, the yeah. cab of the truck. There it is. Uh, All-Star Batman number four. I'm excited for this one. I picked up Black number two. Did you? I didn't because I, I bought Black number one, but I didn't read it. Okay. So I, I want to read that and then go to this one. I enjoyed Black number one. It, it, it gave me just enough and it was provocative enough for me to be intrigued. Black number two came out today and the cover of this comic book hurts. Strange Fruit. Hurts. Yeah. Strange fruit indeed. So black number two is out and black Panther world of Wakanda. Number one mm -hmm. from Roxanne gay. This is going to be one of our books of the week today. We'll talk more on that. I picked up mother panic. I've been picking up a lot of the DC young animal yeah. books. I think mostly because they look really peculiar. They do. And I really want to figure out what's going on with these just enough to find out whether or not I like it and which ones I like. So I'm hearing good things about mother panic. I'll be honest. I know nothing at all about it. I do know that Batman has a cameo. And that's all I know. Power Man and Iron Fist, number 10. This is the, the first in a new arc, Harlem Burns. Uh, so I'm excited for that. And Wonder Woman, number 10. All right, here's what I got. <clears throat> I had to pick, I had to catch up on Doom Patrol. So I got Doom Patrol 2 and 3. I got Mosaic, number 2. I got uh, An Amazing Spider-Man event, Dead No More, the, cons the Clone Conspiracy, number 2. Picked up The Avengers, number 1. Mm. I don't know. I don't it's know. like, that's the point one, John. Uh, yeah. it's, it's, it looks like the old school Avengers with yeah. Scarlet Witch and all. Yeah. So I picked that up and we'll see what that's about. Got Detective Comics 944, 
Bat, uh, Black Panther World of Wakanda, number one. Power Man and Iron Fist, number 10. And Invincible Iron Man, number one. And I just say, I picked up Avengers number one last week. Mark Wade and uh, Del Mundo. Um, I was really stoked for it because they're renumbering with the new team and everything. That book was trash. Didn't oh, like it? That was not good. It, you, like y- you know when you read a comic book and you think, this is not as good as the other things I'm reading? You just have that knowledge. It was it was very straightforward. It was very uh, whip-bam-pow. Uh, I was just not feeling how little substance was there. It was beautiful to behold, but that that did not work. Mark Wade seems to be very, very good at solo books, Black Panther or Black Panther. Black Widow is awesome. Mm-hmm. Black Widow is really good. Mm-hmm. But I think when he gets into the team dynamic, it's not so hot. So I just want to say that I was let down. I was let down. All right. Yeah. So let's talk about these books. Okay. So we got three books that we kind of want to touch on. And we've got Black Panther World of Wakanda. We've got Invincible Iron Man. And we've got Power Man and Iron Fist. That's right. So I don't think we have time to go through all three of these in detail. Power Man and Iron Fist, we have to do mm-hmm. because that's something that we've been sticking with. The backbone. I really want to do Invincible Iron Man because we've been talking about Riri so long. Mm-hmm. And this Black Panther World of Wakanda is very dense. Would you yeah, agree? I, I would it's, agree. It's so gives us some insight and background to what we've been reading in Black Panther. Would you agree with that? Yes and no. Tell me. I, w- I would say... Let's, let's, let's do a quick back and forth on Black Panther. Yeah. And then we can continue on the other two in depth. What do you think? Yeah, I, th- I think that's a really great idea. So uh, Black Panther World of Wakanda is giving us a look into the Dora Milaje. Uh, by the way, Roxane Gay or whoever did the, the title copy in this book, thank you for helping me pronounce that word. Yes. For that phrase. Uh, and also, thank you for the map of Wakanda. Yes. like And the explanation that kind of clarifies who's where and who did what, mm-hmm. why things are the way they are, mm-hmm. and kind of giving, because there's a lot of stuff that ta has said to us in Black Panther where we kind of like, oh, okay. But this one broke it down just enough for me to go, oh, okay, this is here and she's there and this is how this pe- these people look at these people and this is kind of why there might be some animosity between the two. Got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, which is great. It, that is really helpful. And I also think that kind of sets the tone for what World of Wakanda is attempting to do, which is adding some subtext and background to Black Panther. In some ways, it feels a little supplementary to ta Coates' Black Panther run. And in some ways, it's uh, taking a, a, a deeper look into characters that we're becoming familiar with. Specifically, Specifically, uh, members of the Dora Milaje, Ayo, and Anika, um, who we have discovered are uh, lovers in Black Panther. So this is... Did we do spoilers? No. Let's, Let's use the Eye of Agamotto right now. Mm-hmm. Wow. That, that was me going in reverse. I see that. With Missy Elliott. How about that? Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Let me... <laughs> Let me just make sure that that's always the sound of the Eye of Agamotto. Um, we will get into spoiler territory. I want to keep it light for uh, World of Wakanda because I think it's worth digging into, but we'll do a quick parry. Um, but three, two, one. It's your fault. 
So look, Io and Nika are main characters, two women, members of the Dora Milaje. This is their origin story of how they have met and fallen in love and some of the context and circumstance of what that relationship means, what it looks like, so on and so forth. Um, the thing that's really notable about this book, this is a meta level. It's notable because it's written by a woman of color, Roxane Gay. Uh, it's also uh, illustrated, uh, inked, and penciled by, uh, I believe, a woman of color as well. That's uh, uh, Aletha Martinez. Um, so, I mean, like, there are a lot of really awesome, powerful, creative components of this that are going into the book. This is the kind of book that I want to support because I want to see these creative people continue working. And it's good. I didn't like it that much. No? No. Tell me why. I think there's a certain style of writing that I've, I've gotten used to from certain writers uh, that I really like now. And for me, it's the, the thing that doesn't treat me like a, a, an idiot, right? So ta Coates, when he's writing, he specifically does that The Wire thing mm -hmm. where I have to read and reread and I feel lost. And eventually I have these discoveries of who the characters are. Yeah. I learn, I discover, I acclimate to the story. I really like that stuff. And I also like Tom King. I praise him for a lot of his work because yeah. of the way he writes yeah. doesn't take me for a fool. And when I discover these beats, I think they're important. And Roxanne Gay has not written comics before. This is her first foray. However, she is a writer and an excellent one at mm -hmm. that and a superb speaker. Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't know. This, this felt a little handholdy. And the frequent thought bubbles were sort of the thing that took me out of it. Mm. Um, I appreciate having some context and some subtext for these two characters who I like, uh, but the thought bubbles of each of the characters thinking to themselves when they're a little giggly and they're meeting each other and kind of falling for each other and crushing, mm -hmm. those are the kinds of things that I think comic books have the ability to show me. There are certain languages that comics have as a visual medium. Okay. So I when I see you. some of those thought bubbles, I'm like, ah... Uh, like it, it feels like I'm getting hit. Like a, do you get it? Do you get it? Do you get it? Did you get that? Um, so I'm going to give this book grace because there are a lot of things that I really like about it. We're spending time with the characters I'm interested in, in a place that I'm interested in. And it's written by people that I'm interested in. But as a first foray, if it were a different comic about anything else, I don't know if I would be digging it. That's where I'm at. Got you. Well, I, I was into it because... I like the fact that it's giving me some insight on who is where mm -hmm. and who feels what and how they got there mm -hmm. because these people play are, are playing a pivotal role in the Black Panther story that I've been reading for the past eight plus months. You know what I mean? Yeah. So understanding Anika and Ao and where she comes from, where they come from and how all these different people are affected in this whole Black Panther world, like world of Wakanda. Yeah. And also meeting Zenzi and seeing where Zenzi comes from and why she feels the way she feels and why she and Tattoo got together. And you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I did like the story about Zenzi. I yeah. Did. And how that, that she's, well, Tanahasi was involved with that one. That's right. Yeah. He was, he was, a you know, written as a writer in that one as yeah. well. Um, so I like the fact that we see where Zinzi's playing in this whole class system, you know, like you're from there, you don't play with them and how there was a certain, wasn't there a person who was promising them that, oh, oh, oh and like they're part of the reason why Wakanda became what they were. It was by taking 
something from these people, these more impoverished part of Wakanda yeah. and how, you know, this creates this, this divide and how they're expecting that, you know, the king of Wakanda is supposed to take care of him, but he didn't actually, and how that would create this yeah. frustration. And, you know, that, that, that was just good for me. He was able to go, okay, I like this. I like yeah. how this is tying together. Yeah. But I also hear what you're saying about like, Hey, this thing is happening. And I get how you maybe would like want it to be a little bit more of a implied moment than just like, this is obvious. You see what's happening, mm-hmm. but it didn't really bother me. Sure. Sure. I, I think if Black Panther is a textbook, then this is sort of a supplementary piece that helps you get into the world and feel. So you said this is the cliff notes. This is kind of the cliff notes. Yeah. It gives you a little something extra, but it's, it's maybe not necessarily as, um, Gosh, it's it maybe not necessarily as polished, but I I also would really like to see how Roxanne Gay develops as a writer in comics because I think she is a very very worthy and excellent contribution to the industry. So I also think that this is it. a story that we don't often hear. Oh, easily, you know, about uh, black women who are in love with one another. Well, I'm like even, that's awesome. Even even people from like. This isn't like American black. Yeah. This is Africa. That's true. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So also like these are warriors. This is like authority involved as well. Like I'm your superior. You know what I mean? Like all of that kind of thing. That's These are all interesting perspectives that you're not going to regularly see in comics or in storytelling. Yeah. So I think that that's important as well. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree with that. Um, it's it's worth picking up because I, I think if this is something you care about. Especially if you're reading Black Panther. Yeah. If you're li- reading Black Panther. I would pick this up. Very worth picking up. If you're not reading Black Panther, it might be a little... Huh? That's, the, that's the one thing that I would say. If you're not reading Black Panther and you're just like, oh, wow, I want to jump in. I think you're going to, it's almost like this is, you know, a, you know, like you're not going to really be able to get everything that I think Adam and I are getting out of it. If that's you right. haven't read Black Panther one through seven. That's right. You know, because mm-hmm. this is in, in, you don't you don't know who these people are and what context these, you don't know who Zinzi is. True. That doesn't mean anything to you if you don't know who Zinzi is. Yeah, you exactly. You don't know who Tattoo is. Exactly. If you haven't, you know. Yeah. So, look, it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting first issue, and I'm excited to pick up more of this. And I have to say, the cover artwork is crazy good. I really love seeing the, the partial mask helmet on uh, uh, T'Challa. And the red, black, and green. And the red, black, and green, of course. Uh, and um, the the person who did the artwork for the cover is also the person who did the artwork for the Zenzi story. And that person's name is Afua Richardson. And I think that rules. Also, the, the person who wrote the Zenzi story in the back, uh, Yona Harvey, is a poet. Um, there are a lot of really interesting components of this book. All of those things combined to make something worthy of your time. All right, so let's get into Invincible Iron Man number one. Uh Uh-huh. So we both read this. Yes. I'm going to give you my book. Uh Uh-huh. And I'm going to do the digital drawing on my phone here. Okay. If you guys buy Marvel Comics, it's really cool to use the digital download code so that you can actually check out the book on your phone, on your iPhone, Yeah. which I do that. So that's really cool. Also, I'm going to just put it out there. I have this idea. Okay. Comic book drive. Yeah. You want to get into this now? Just want to throw it out there. Okay. I've got this idea to do a comic book drive. You got to think, we buy comics every week. When's the last time you looked at or touched the comics that you bought earlier this year? 
I'm just thinking that there's got to be a way for us to do some good with these comics and give them to people who don't have the money to be able to give them to other people. You know, don't have yeah. the money to buy their own comics. No, yeah, of course. So this is an idea that I'm working on, something I'm toying around with, like a comic book junto, a comic book drive, where people can donate their comics that we can give them to, you know, people of color mm-hmm. or impoverished people who don't have, you know, money or access to comic book stores, yeah. you know, literacy programs or something like that, something of that nature. I would love that. So it's something that I'm playing around with, something that you guys can, you know, tweet at me about, talk to me about, give me some ideas. But I think it would be something to be really cool because I was even talking to people about it in, in a comic con. It's like, man, how many comics do you have? People were telling me like thousands. I'm like, when's the last time you touched them? Yeah, I haven't. What are you going to do with them? I don't know. You can't give them to your kids because your kids, they ain't even going to want them. They're going to be more of a burden than anything. Yeah, I And know. I'm like, you got to think you got thousands of comics. Even if someone said, hey, I got 20,000 comics and I'll give them to you. Emotionally, you might be like, that's awesome. But what but are you going to do with this? But then you're going to read them. Yeah. You're going to move them. How are you going to store them? Yeah. How are you going to ship them? How are you going to transfer? It's just like, what are we doing with all these comics? Mm-hmm. You know? And who's out there who would be able to get way more? Well, we read them already. Mm-hmm. Especially when we're moving to a digital age. Of course, I know we like going to the comic book store, the smell, the relationships, the, the, the tactile, touching the comic book and turning the page. That's all great. Mm-hmm. But after you've had that experience... It goes into, a, goes into a bag and a board or it goes into a short box or a long box never to be seen again. Yeah. I just think that somebody else could be getting some more, more use out of that. No, I'm with you. Playing around with that idea. Think about it, internet. Tweet at me. Let me know what you think. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying that to say, you know, with Marvel, they give you the actual book, but then they give you a down, digital download code. So you got the comic, access to the comic on your phone forever. That's right. All the more reason to never touch this book again. That is right. You know? Yeah. So... Anyway, um, all right, let's get into Invincible Iron Man number one. Invincible Iron Man number one, let me just say, I'm really excited about this. Yeah? What, been, what, what, like, there's a lot of fanfare around Riri Williams, so does it match your expectation? Um, well, I didn't really, I really couldn't say I had a whole bunch of expectations, but I did enjoy the book yeah. a lot. Okay. I like the origin story, you mm-hmm. know, and that's what this is. This is the origin of Riri Williams, because if you haven't been reading, um, what is it, International Iron Man? Yeah, that's right. You probably don't know who Riri Williams is. You probably don't know where she comes from, what she's about, why she's doing what she's doing. You don't know any of that stuff. All you know is... Here's this book everybody's talking about. Um, and that's the way I like it. If you know anything about the Blackout Congregation, I don't want to know all that stuff. That's but right. what I do want to know is why Stanley from The Office is in this book. Oh, my God. I was thinking the exact same thing. What is it? The principal or the dean of the school? Yeah. Uh, New York University? That is Stanley from Stanley The Stanley from The Office is in this book. Yep. Uh, uh, what's his name? Leslie Baker, I think. I don't know. Leslie Baker. I don't know his real name. Like dead ringer. Yes. For that dude. Like yeah. someone drew Stanley here. Uh-huh. But yeah, okay. So getting into this book, basically what we have is Chicago 10 years ago, Riri Williams is five years old this age because we know Riri is 15 years old. We see Riri's parents who are talking to the president or the principal, whatever the school is. And ultimately he's telling Riri's parents like, look, you think Riri has behavioral problems, but that's not actually what's going on. What's actually going on is she's just freaking bored. Yeah. And, you know, of course, the parents are like, I don't really fully understand what she's saying. She's five years old. She's got toys. Like, I, I don't understand what the deal is. So the principal goes, look, here, here's what's going on. Your daughter has tested at super genius level. Mm-hmm. Now, 
there's something that used to be called genius. She's beyond that. She's a super genius. And the bottom line is she's just smarter than you. She's smarter than me. She's smarter than everybody. And toys just ain't keeping her attention. She's not bad. She's not out of control. She's just bored. And I think that there are a lot of people who can relate to that. There are a lot of people who are in school and like, this is boring to me. Mm -hmm. I'm not being challenged. You know, you're asking me to sit in a chair and I want to be active. I want to be creative. I want to be involved in what's going on. And you're just like kind of restricting me to your understanding, your expectations. I'm actually beyond that. And not in an arrogant way. I'm just, I'm able to do more. I'm interested in things that you're not teaching me. That's right. And I thought that that was a great way to introduce us to Riri Williams. She's smarter than you. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. This five-year-old is smarter than you. She's more advanced than you. And it and it makes sense that you wouldn't really be able to understand where she's coming from. But at the same time, it also communicates this conflict of the world that she's in. Yeah. Because everybody wants to be smart and educated and all that kind of stuff. What happens when you're too smart for the environment that, that you're in? How do you relate to people who are not on your level in a sense? How do you function with humility and relatability and all that kind of thing. Yeah. And it, it seems like the, the Dean in this, in this moment is also issuing a little bit of a warning, which is people who are this smart, we have seen maybe do not good things with their uh, wits and abilities and, uh, and their brain if they don't have love, if they don't have experience, if they're not taken care of and paid attention to, like, here's what you have on your hands. You have a super genius. What you could have is a happy, loving, caring daughter who takes care of you and the world and contributes in a positive way. Or, or Dr. Doom. Dr. Doom. It like, so let's be real here. I'm going to tell you this is kind of hokey advice, but you got to be telling this girl that you love her. You have to be telling her that everything is cool in the world and she can take care of the world. Like make sure that her soul is taken care of. Now, I think that's an interesting perspective, especially in light of what we just talked about, about the presidential election Mm -hmm. and the America that like this idealistic America and then the real America that we have, Mm -hmm. you know, especially with someone who's so smart and so intelligent. Mm -hmm. um, I would assume that you would probably be hard for you to kind of just like lovey dovey her into everything's good everything's awesome and we see later on in the book Riri's like stop stop yeah you guys are weird like it's not that black and white everything's not like I, I'm smart enough to pick up that what what's going on here you but guys. at the same time you know like for all of her her knowledge knowledge is not the same as wisdom true and because she's young and at 15 years old bothered by her parents because I mean, who's not at 15, right? right. You know, I think there's some degree of her not necessarily understanding why it's important for them to tell her in, in essence that the world is good inherently and you are good. And, and frankly, I, I can't help but see this analog of telling a young black girl, you're valuable, you're good. Things are cool. But are, but, but this is the thing that I, and I, I'm looking into the future. Yeah. And I'm looking at potential conflict. Uh-huh. And I'm looking at what could come down the pipe. Right. And I'm looking at setting up a story. That's right. Tell her, tell her things are good. Tell her everything. And like being a black man, I this is something that I've worked through mm-hmm. in, in, in my own experience. Like things are better. President is black. You can be anything you want to be. Yeah. You know, this is America. So and so and so, and then you grow up and you live and you go, that's BS. That's actually not. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Like that's actually 
that's actually not accurate, mom, dad, sure. uncle, so-and-so, cousin, such and such. To be honest with you, the world's not all sunshine and rainbows. Sure. So for some people, telling them this kind of lopsided, rosy, sunny, everything's cool, that's not actually helpful. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's actually can create a hindrance where, because when the real life smacks you in the face, you're like, I wasn't prepared. I wasn't ready for this. Yeah. I thought everything was all good. So I, what I can foresee happening is Riri coming to grips and coming to deal with things in her life as these books go on where it's like, wait, my parents all these years told me this, but I'm mm -hmm. experiencing, whoa, it's actually not like this. The world is not good. And how that doesn't make you a supervillain. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like there's other things that are involved with, with you becoming, you know, like you have choices. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you're not a slave to your circumstance. You're not a slave to, oh, you have super genius level. Either you're going to be superhero or supervillain and that's it. It's like, no, there's a lot more nuance to who I am here. There's a lot more, you know what I mean? I can handle it. Like, yeah. so, yeah. I, th I think there is some fear in in the idea of someone being so super smart that looking ever, ever at the entire world ever, and ever, existence. Did you just keep that you just I did, did that? that. was the Ishram <laughs> Come on. Yeah, it's, I just have this Missy bug there right it now. Is. Is what, I think that's what's happening right now. Very good. Uh, I think there's this fear that being someone who is hyper intelligent means you might look at the world as as though it's math mm. and looking at it and saying this doesn't add up, I'm going to drive myself crazy. Right, right. Is right. this terrifying ordeal? And the idea of being a parent trying to take care of your child, knowing that that person is way smarter than you and might have an opportunity to look at the world and understand that none of this adds up and all of it is injustice mm. and this is way not good. Mm. I think there's some fear in understanding how do I balance loving you yeah, yeah. and creating reality? And uh, you know, I'm not a parent, but I think about being a parent all the time and that's one of the things that I imagine is, is very difficult for parents. It's like, how do I create a good environment for you and teach you how to be gracious, merciful, loving, understanding, appreciative, mm -hmm. and at the same time time realistic and wise super genius or not yeah like how, how do i create that balance of you know everything's not okay and that's okay mm -hmm. but it's not okay yeah and how how do i explain this to you and continue to walk you through to it and be able to give you the skills to be able to handle this stuff on your own when i'm not around mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. yeah so moving on with the book what we're seeing here is riri's out here and she shows up in wyoming and ultimately, she's dealing with, you know, one of her first bad guy encounters. She's from Chicago, by the way. Who? Uh, Riri. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, it, it's funny because she's coming out to Wyoming. So, clearly, we're seeing a display of her range. She's got this suit, this kind of mediocre looking Iron Man war machine. Sort of looks like Rom uh, yeah. suit and she's flying all the way out to Wyoming to take care of something to take care of Animax yeah and Animax is like this is why I came to Wyoming because I didn't want to be bothered with these <laughs> soup why are you here uh you know what? Just, I'm just going to kill you. So I like that. Her thing is basically she's got these powers where she manifests these giant monsters mm -hmm. from her um, DNA or something like that. She's a mutant. Yeah. And ultimately what's going on is Riri is kind of working through her motions and her paces with her equipment and trying to figure out what works. And she's talking to her AI and it's not quite doing what she wants it to do. And, you know, really what ends up happening is she, in short deals with Animax. Mm -hmm. She talks to her AI, who is it? What's going on? And she says, like, 
she's just kind of frustrated with the fact that her technology is not up to date with her brain, which is a very interesting thing because I can relate in a sense creatively where I have these advanced ideas, but I don't have the the skills of my hands to do them or the money to execute them. So for her, it's like I'm can, can see and think about what I need, but I just don't have the resources. And what is that? That's true for a lot of people of color. Mm -hmm. They're very creative. They're very skilled, but they just don't have the same opportunities and privilege that a lot of other people do. They're just limited by their resources, not by their ability, not by their smarts, not by the intellect, not by the creativity, not by any of that stuff. But really, it's like if I had the same opportunity that Tony Stark did, I'd do just as good or better. And if you look at hip hop as an example, hip hop is is an example of people making something great out of what they had around. Yeah. You know, scratching on a turntable was a result of not sampling was a result of not knowing, not having the resources to, to play these issues. Jay Dilla. I mean, I think of, I think of the work that Jay Dilla on donuts when Jay Dilla was spending time in a hospital, he had like nothing around. He's just messing with things that he had access to whatever was in his reach. So it, it looks like that's what Riri is doing, especially when we see her tinkering on things in the garage. Right. So we go to five years ago and we see Riri's mom's like, look, you got to eat. And Riri is so into what she's doing and tinkering and making and all that kind of stuff that she's like, yo mom, just let me let me get this thing popping. So mom's like, go outside and play. You know what I mean? And Riri is re- would rather finish her work. She wants to finish what she's doing. And her mom's like, yo, you're 10 years old. Please go out and play or something like that. And Riri's like, okay, I'll finish. Let me finish this up and then I'll go eat and frolic and do whatever. And that kind of gives me some insight into like who Riri is as a person. Like she's like, I'll eat and frolic and whatever. Kind of like this kind of she's poop she's her person is almost poo-pooing that like mm-hmm. that's not what's important but i'll do it if it makes you feel comfortable because i'll be i'll feel more normal to you mm-hmm. but i'd rather do this so she meets a friend who shows up and starts asking her questions about what she's doing she's like what's that can i see how do you do this how do you do that and riri's explaining how she's trying to make this like ai that will help superheroes when they can't be more than one place at a time you know like it'll call you know call out of work and it'll do this and that and, mm-hmm. but she needs to make it smaller so she she you knows again she's saying i have this idea i created this thing but i can't make it small enough and i just think that that is so telling for again it's like these are these obstacles that i come up against and she doesn't have all the money but i can only imagine that that played a role in her becoming more and more innovative out of necessity yeah and you know her friend comes in with this amazing idea and goes, it's not just for superheroes. It could be for anybody. Anybody could come up with that. Anybody could use that. And I thought that was cool. Like, she's not a super genius, but she's got enough common sense to go, Spider-Man's not the only person like that. Like, I'd like that. Yeah. And that's when she meets her buddy, Natalie. That's right. Yeah. So... Natalie and Riri are friends and they continue to, you know, be friends for the next couple of years. And we kind of fast forward to two years later. So Riri is now, what is she, 12 at this point? Yeah, I think she'd be 12 here. Yeah. So they're out picnic um, at the park and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, they're setting the table because Riri's mom asked to. And then Riri's dad shows up and goes, Hey, it's a nice day. And they have this whole moment, which I thought was very interesting, between Riri and Natalie, where Riri's saying, look, 
my dad always says that. He says that when it's snowing outside. He says that he's always saying that because he's afraid I'm going to turn into some sort of like out of control, Doctor Doom, you know, Mm -hmm. crazy person. Like I heard my mom and dad talking one day, and they're saying like, "Look, he has to do this because you know this is almost like this preventative measure." And it's just weird to me, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's weird, like it's not authentic, it's not. It, it, something doesn't sit right with me. Like, it's not always nice. And I thought that that was important to see that Riri's not detached from the reality of what's going on. Sure. And it's, she's not going to just be gla- glazed over with this overabundance of positivity that she's able to look out in the world and go, but it's not all good. Sure. You know, and I think that that's important, again, for a person of color that is actually in touch with the world around mm-hmm. her and doesn't have this kind of like, everything's great and I'm black and I'm totally disconnected from the reality of what my blackness is like. It's especially interesting to look at because uh, Natalie says, I think it's sweet that your dad says that. Yeah. And Riri responds, it's annoying and it's my stepdad, by the way. Mm. It's that kind of like um, that, that, that teenage that's angst. That's not my You're real not dad. You're not my real dad. Yeah, and it's it's sort of like she's trying to qualify this. I'm like, not only is it annoying, that's not my real dad. And Nadine counters with, do you want to trade my no dad for your caring stepdad? Huge point. So they have this conversation. This, I mean, they're kids. That's real, right but now. that's a real conversation. I've had that conversation. Yeah. I've had that conversation with ah, my dad. Da, 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 da. I'm like, I don't even have a dad. I don't even know what that means. Yeah. I have no reference point for that. Yeah. So for you to have a dad who like loves you and cares for you, is trying to spend time with you and trying to be around you, maybe he's boring, you know, or annoying or whatever the case may be, you know, it, but again, again, for Riri, it's hard to kind of wrap her head around that because she's never, she's never, you know, been without, she's had the privilege of having that in her life. That's right. Until, you know, as the story goes on, we see, and they did a great job of, I don't, and I, I don't know what your background is, but I've been, I, I've had a similar experience where you just hear, there's a shooting in the park. Pop, 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 pop. And you're kind of like, cause the first pops are like, what, huh? Mm-hmm. And, and they did a great job of people having that initial response, that kind of head turn. You see the panels, people kind of look, go, is that? Cause that's what it's like. It's like, is, are those gunshots? Or mm-hmm. What is that? Yeah. And then like, pop, 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 pop. And the, it, everything just goes wild. It seems like there's a drive-by with a bunch of guys who are playing basketball and Riri's stepdad just springs into action and just dives and knocks the girls down. And it's so abrupt. Like, even as you're reading the comic, you're kind of like, wait, what's going on? Is this a shooting? What's happening? Yeah. And you see that Natalie got hit and Riri's step got, got hit, stepdad got hit. Yep. And they were both look what looks to be dead and Natalie goes, why? Yeah. Which is just like, whoa, that took a turn. Yeah. That took a huge turn. And so did Riri's mom. She's screaming why, why as well. So that's giving, giving you a little insight into, again, this origin story of like, this isn't crime alley. You know what I'm saying? This is, this this is is different. This is a Chicago public park. This is different. This is not kind of like, Oh yeah, they're the rich family walking down, uh, going to see Zorro. It's like, nah, this is this is different. Um, yeah. So we also have this scenario where Riri ends up defe- ends up defeating Animax, and after that happens, the police show up. That's right. And she's there, and she's like, yeah, you know, everything's all good. You know, I'm new to the superhero thing, and the cops give her a headshot. 
one of the cops fires and the other one freaks out and says, dude, weapons down. So one of them, tell me, tell me if you've heard this scenario before, loses his cool mm-hmm. and fires his gun at, I mean, what he doesn't realize is a 15-year-old girl. Right, but it's a giant machine. But it's a giant machine, right. And uh, it, it, But why would you shoot it? It's got why? hands up. Exactly. Why would you shoot it? I thought, I mean, it, was, I thought it was very interesting that she had her hands up because she had just kind of received... Like the the, the, the little, gauntlets, yeah, yeah. And while she has her hands up, headshot, and she goes, "For real? Yeah, like I'm out of here." And just kind of like zooms away. Tractor beams the guns, crunches them, and get yeah. out of there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, when she gets home, she, uh, she finds out she has a box. Her her mom is visiting, uh, and it's it's fun to see the dynamic between mom and Riri, where Riri is like, "Wow." I had this encounter with a monster and almost didn't make it out of there. And her mom says in a serious way, but also kind of like expecting to hear that from time to time. She's like, you know, I don't like when you say stuff like that. Right. Yeah. But So this is mom who knows daughter is superhero. Yes. And is supportive. Yes. And that's really interesting. And she has mail and it's this box. And inside of it is another box that says, push me. Right. And then mom is like, what is that? And Riri's, I'm going to push you and find out. She's too curious. She's like, well, what if it's a bomb? Like, I don't know. What are we going to find out? out. Yeah. You know? And uh, out comes a hologram of Tony Stark himself. Yes. And she's so excited. It's almost like she already knows what it is before, you know, it even finishes. And Tony pops up and goes, hey, uh, I downloaded my essence into this. And this is like my holographic essence. I'm artificial intelligence. Um, You need artificial intelligence. So I'm here now. So so Jarvis, basically, he's taking on the Jarvis role. So it seems like what we're going to see is Riri is zipping around with this AI of Tony Stark helping her out. So that's interesting to begin with. Um, Did you notice that Tony says, I made this fabulous, my fabulous self into a digital frame in case my body was ever, you know, not working anymore. Right. Excuse me? Yeah. So I think that this civil war is behind. I think so too. And we're supposed to already know Tony Stark's outcome. And we don't know right now, but I have a guess. I have a guess. Might not be working. That's right. So, yeah. Invincible Iron Man. I'm into it. I'm into it I'm too. I'm here for it. Absolutely. Let's, let's, get, let's keep it going. I do. I, I have to ask the question, why is the book Invincible Iron Man? Because we know that Riri will eventually be Ironheart. On the cover, it says Riri Williams is Ironheart. So, just thinking about the title and the significance of the title, I know we're carrying a franchise and we want fans of Iron Man to follow along here, but why is it called Invincible Iron Man? I guess we'll find out. Yeah. To some degree, I guess it's about uh, Tony Stark. I mean, if he made a digital frame of himself, he's quote unquote invincible, right? Continues living beyond something. I don't know. It's a great first issue. Anyway, uh, Brian Bendis doing everything, apparently. Everything. And, and doing it well, so I'll, I'll, I'll keep my complaints to myself. We also uh, picked up Power Man and Iron Fist. Uh, I want to just kind of speed through this one, because this is interesting to me, and I have some questions about it, and I would like to uh, uh, parry with you on it. Um, Power Man and Iron Fist 10 is starting a new arc. Yes. And... I don't really remember how the last arc resolved. Great way to do that. I, I figured this was going to happen. Yeah. Read that 
Read that little um, recap right there. Yeah, okay, so I, I did read the recap, and here's the recap. Uh, Luke and Danny were hired to protect victims of preemptive strike. Vigilantes using the supernatural software Ignitus to imprison people for crimes they didn't commit. When preemptive strike assaulted their targets at Heroes for Hire HQ, the police couldn't sort the guilty from the innocent. HQ got wrecked, and Danny got sent to jail. Outside Riker's prison, Captain Marvel confronted Luke. Ulysses had foreseen him breaking Danny out. A superpowered fight ensued, damaging the prison and letting some jailbirds fly, including Black Mariah, who Luke and Danny defeated when she made a run at Tombstone's territory. Now, Power Man and Iron Fist, out on parole, are back on the streets trying to clean up the mess. Okay, maybe the reason I don't remember is because we were in the hospital. Mike could be. Mike could be. That's the one where we made our debut in the Marvel Universe. That is correct. We're yeah. in that comic book. That is correct. So we're in the back and the right. That is. Uh, there. There's potential for for that being the reason why I don't necessarily remember because I was thinking, well, hold up, Danny is out on parole. He, he got let out on bail. Ah, uh, what? So there were some details I think entered right now that we didn't have previously. Right. To set the scene. But what I we're agree. doing is we're starting in the past and we're looking at some baddies that we're familiar with. We've gotten to know in Power Man and Iron Fist uh, back in the day when they were hanging out as kind of a ragtag gang. Um, they're uh, Lonnie. So we're looking at Tombstone. We're looking at Black Mariah, this cat named Mortimer, and Raymond and Cornell. Cornell, we know, if you've been watching Luke Cage on Netflix... Cornell Stokes, as in Cottonmouth. Yeah, Stokes. So this is the same character. And we see them like hanging out as a gang and deciding they need a theme. And the theme is they file their teeth into fangs and they call themselves the Fang Gang. Extremely painful, I'm assuming. I can only assume. But I mean, I suppose that's why Tombstone looks the way he does. And I can see Cottonmouth doing that too. And uh, the other characters. And there's this little falling out where uh, I think it's Tombstone who, who does it specifically. He, he calls Fat Mariah. Black Mariah. Black Mariah. Yeah, I'm switching it up. He's calling Black Mariah Fat. And she freaks on him, slaps him, and, and there's this little falling out. She's not part of the gang no more. So there's a little history between some of these bad guys, and we're going to spend some time with them in the present day. And it's helpful to know that they used to roll together, but things haven't been so uh, so tidy in a long time. Uh, meanwhile, we have uh, Luke and Danny facing off against uh, some some villains, and they're having this conversation. This is the classic Luke and Danny conversation, trying to have a conversation about something while they're mid combat, mid fight. And this one is like, what are we doing here? Why are we doing this? And they're asking about this is our responsibility. Like what, what is it that compels us to be the people who are cleaning up the streets, who are beating on these people right now. And I think the, the conversation resolves with, uh, Danny saying, this is what we do. The fact that we're at Rikers during the breakout is irrelevant. And they're making sure that justice being served, right. that, that uh, there's no trouble in the street. Right. They're taking care of it. And that they're near the prison is, you know, neither here nor there. Yeah. It just kind of happens. It's just what they do. Yeah. But um, they, uh, they have this new plan. They have this new motive for what's going to bring them together as a team and what their agenda is. And it all kind of relies on 
discovering that group preemptive strike and discovering that software that was falsely imprisoning people for things that they didn't do. And so their their new plan is to find people who have been falsely imprisoned, to find people who were charged for crimes they did not commit, and to seek justice for those people, to make sure that they are absolved from those charges. And I, I think that's cool because that means that we'll probably see in the future them going down a list and helping specific people going on these different right. missions, right? right? Um, we also have some, uh, uh, meanwhile, with Tombstone, getting together with the old gang. Mortimer, who's kind of a amphibious-looking dude. He looks like Abe a little bit from Hell, uh, Hellboy. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they're getting together and they're talking about, you know, what they're going to do to take back power because Tombstone has lost a little bit of his cred and Mortimer is coming in to say, look, I know how to help you. I know how we can reassemble and be the fan gang like we used to be. So they're scheming. My favorite part of this whole book is Danny and Luke coming back to the HQ and meeting up with every damn superhero. Yes. And it like, can you explain why... They invited all the superheroes here? Yeah. So basically what they're doing when they invited everybody here is they, in so many words, just run it down for everybody and say, look, here's what it's about to go down. We're not really asking you. We're just telling you. We're letting you know what it's hitting for. Because again, this book is supposedly taking place after Civil War. Yeah. Again, Civil War is late. So we don't really know exactly what the conclusion is or what the you know bottom line is. But, but this is a who's who. I mean, yeah. like everybody up in this room. I mean, room. Uh, it's Black Panther's here, Misty Knight's here, Miles Morales, Spider-Man, Vision, Thor, Doctor Strange, Nova, Scarlet Witch, Daredevil, Hulk, Miss Marvel. Uh, it I goes mean, on. Even Deadpool's here. Just yeah. Like, everybody's in there. So... We have a very funny fiddle faddle joke. Mm-hmm. That's funny. Mm-hmm. That was a cool moment. But um, so it's like, look, we all just went through it. Um, some worse than others. And, you know, while you guys are fighting and doing all that stuff, like Danny and I, this is Luke Cage talking. Danny and I have come across our own stuff. Like we had our own stuff we were dealing with mm-hmm. um, before you guys had this whole civil war thing, which I think is interesting that David F. Walker, not in a negative sense, but I think it's interesting that he goes, I get what you guys are doing in your book, you know, kind of event Marvel, but we had something that we're doing over here. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we had to address that, but now we're doing this. And, you know, what ultimately they're saying is we found out that there's this pro- this program that not only can see someone's record, but it can change someone's record and it can put something on someone's record that's not really there and it can expunge somebody's record at the same time. Yeah. So there are people that are in prison that aren't supposed to be there. So that's a scenario that Luke Cage has dealt with. That's a scenario that Danny Rand has dealt with. So both of them have like a personal relationship with being falsely accused and put in a jail. So what they're saying is, look, we're going to go and we're going to make sure that everybody, you know, here's what he says. For me, and, for, for me and Danny, our top priorities are taking down whoever created this software and making sure every wrongfully incarcerated person is set free. This is Danny. We're telling all of you this because this is what we're doing. Period. Period. If someone is in prison because of records, this software manipulated, even if that someone has a prior record, and this is Luke takes over, we're getting them out. Legally, through proper channels, but no one is doing time for a crime they didn't commit on our watch. Hmm. Nigga, any questions? Mm-hmm. And ultimately, 
That's what it's here for. Mm-hmm. Bottom line. I think it's a, a mission statement, and it's if you see us doing something that looks suspicious to you, I'm telling you right out, this is what we're doing. Yeah. Stay out of the way, okay? Yeah. Don't prevent us from getting this done. Everybody know, you know, and I think that's interesting. They got Captain America in there. You know, Wakanda knows. Yeah. Champions are in there. Like, everybody knows what's going on. Who's not in there? Carol Danvers. Carol Danvers and Iron Man. And Iron Man. Yeah. So, hmm, I don't know what the fate is of those people, but, you know, after getting uh, obstructed by Carol Danvers last time, I think they're, they're just making sure, let's lay this communication down so this does not happen twice. Um, we uh, go back to the South Bronx and we see Cottonmouth in his old age catching up with his old Fang Gang member, Piranha, that's Raymond. And they're talking about how they're going to take power back. And Raymond has a plan. And that plan is introducing Black Cat, mm-hmm. who uh, apparently really, really likes Rick James. Yes. <laughs> okay. But like that's, that, a, that's our favorite. That Dave Chappelle joke put in there, like uh, that cold-blooded... Cold. All- all I think of Buddy. is that Rick James sketch on the Chappelle show. Uh, so Felicia Hardy is rolling up and she is she's making her way toward kingpin, kingpin status for being someone that you do not want to uh, We saw mess her with. and Tombstone in Miles Morales. Yeah, that's right. And so now so we get a little a good, bit of background good, good on why they're working yeah. together. And um, it, it's becoming apparent that Black Cat wants to take more land, more power, more property and opportunity in the criminal uh, part of New York. So she's expanding her district. And I think we're going to end up running into Kingpin, Kingpin eventually. I think so too. Yeah. And they, they mentioned Kingpin by name, like people, people who keep things organized, Kingpin and Tombstone. So uh, no doubt that this is going to be coming down the line soon. Uh, we also have the return of uh, Senor Magico. So we, we got our Sorcerer Supreme from Harlem. He's coming back. And he uh, explains a couple of things about that Agnitis software. And one thing I want to point out before we finish that part. Yeah. When Danny and Luke are kind of back at, you know, their whatever their HQ area is, they had an interesting moment. Danny goes, how do you think they cook, took it? Luke Cage, don't care. Both of the Captain America seem to be okay. Can't get a read on that new Spider-Man. What is he like, 12? Luke Cage, don't matter. Like yeah. Luke is like I I personally don't really care. Dead set. And more than I, anything, I'm doing. it seems like he really wants to avoid getting tangled up in all that business. And and we saw that ahead of time too when Civil War started and it was affecting them. He's like, I no, we're staying out of it. And I think they tried to, it just didn't really until work. it came to them. Exactly. So now he is single-mindedly focused on their mission. And uh, I love this freak out when they find out Senior Magico had the Ignitus software stolen and Luke loses it. Love Sanford Green's job of like Luke's face. <laughs> his eyeballs. Man, he's like bulging out of his head. Hey, diddle, diddle. <laughs> the cat and the fiddle. Like, What? <laughs> what so are you funny. doing? He's trying so hard not to not to uh, get vulgar because Jessica Jones has him under a grip. Um, and then we get a little bit explanation of this this new figure that's on the scene, the person who stole Agnitus from Senior Magico. Um, we also see Cockroach talking to Black Mariah. So we have now seen all of the Fang Gang in the current time. And whenever I read Cockroach's voice, I hear I hear Martin as Jerome. Uh, oh yes. 
Yes. Absolutely. That yeah. kind of like skeezy, like, hey man. Like it's it, it's funny just seeing the way the I'm cockroach telling you, looks. Girl, big boss, man. He he getting you a deal you can't turn down. <laughs> just the way he looks, the hat, the shades, he's got the feather in his cap. Yeah. Yeah. His yeah, posture and everything. Wrong. And he thinks he's all sly, so he's speaking for people, even though he shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. It's he's the guy who just wants to insert himself. Girl, in. I ain't getting you into no mess. I'm trying to get you out of one. Yeah. That's totally. 100%. He's, he's that dude. Yeah. Yep. Um, we find out that this this new character on the scene is Alex Wilder, uh, who is one of the Runaways. I don't know if you're familiar with Runaways. Not a, lot of, not a lot of experience with them. So Runaways was originally written by Brian K. Vaughn, Marvel series about the children of supervillains. It was really interesting. It's the kids finding out that their parents are supervillains and how they respond to that and they run away. So Alex Wilder is this person in the hood who stole the Ignitus, who's going to be inserting himself into the story right now. And it seems like he's powerful and he wants to start a new new thing. He wants to call it the new pride. So where we go from there, I don't know. And the truth is, I don't know enough about Alex Wilder to understand what this reveal means, I know that we have some new blood. And that's that. That's that. Mm-hmm. So those are our books of the week. <sighs> we didn't want to do the we didn't want to do too long, and then it's one of the longest shows we've had. I want everyone to take a deep breath. <sighs> Exhale. Yeah. <sighs> I like that. We're gonna be all right. Indeed, we are. We that's are, comic book Junto. In fact, going to be all right. Yeah, yeah. So that's our that's our episode. That's episode forty six. Let's talk about the books for next week. Next week, Batman number eleven, mm-hmm. Black Panther number eight. So those books for sure. We also have Killer Be Killed number four. Mm, and I know that we're behind. And Spider Man number nine. Uh, okay, so we're going to have to sort some things out. We will certainly have to talk about the best way to tackle some of those because I want to go through and Jessica Jones number two. Okay. Well, look, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think at a certain point in time, I want to recognize that many of Bendis's books are featured on our show. Brian Bendis, thank you for your five stars. And a positive comment and for writing every single book. And that, yes, exactly what I was going to say. Uh, so, you know, maybe maybe we'll, we'll find a way to do some other books some justice. But look, we're reading the books. So we're going to talk about what we're reading. We'll sort it out. We might need time. to think, like, find another way to address all of these books. Maybe find like a quicker way, kind of do like short reviews. Yeah, you know, like it was great. I loved it. This is kind of I don't know. We gotta we gotta play around with some ideas. Maybe you guys yeah. can tweet us some ideas. Yeah, I, I I think it'd be a cool idea to look at a format so we can always just go uh, down the line, make it so it's something that we can predict and expect. Keep it tight to a certain amount of time because weeks like this where four of the books we're reading drop on the same day yeah you know we try to keep it to two but we can't be doing four-hour podcasts yo but let's make it clear today uh, above any other day i needed this yeah i needed this badly yeah so i'm happy to have this i'm happy to take an opportunity to sit down and do nothing else but concern myself with comic books that i care about with somebody that i care about Spend time with all of you, internet. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope you take those opportunities and you take them seriously. Yes. So that's it. All right. Tell me where they can find you on the internet. You can find me on Twitter and on Instagram using the same name, Adam Tetris, A-D-A-M-T-E-T-E. 
R-U-S. And you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, all of the Jones at Octavius A. Newman. O-C-T-A-V-I-U-S-A-N-E-W-M-A-N. I like doing this show. Yeah. Hey, it's a highlight of my week right now. This Episode is the, 46. The, the bright, 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 brightest part of my week so far. 46 episodes and even more. So all those one shots. All those one shots. Yeah. We've, and we've kept it up. I think yes, we missed we one week. Yeah, we missed just the one week because of the surgery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not bad. No, that's not bad. Not a bad track record. I don't think so. So thank It's only going to get better. Thank you guys for sticking with us. Thank you guys for continuing to listen. Please send us those talkback questions. We need you guys for the segment. This, that's your segment, guys. Yeah. If you guys don't send us anything, then we just, you know, talk about Donald Trump. And you don't want that, do you? Oh, no. Is that no, what no. you want? No. Is that what you want out of Comic Book Junto? I don't want to spend time on that. Okay. So send us hashtag AskCBJ mm-hmm. on Twitter, comicbookjunto at barefruit.com. Leave us those five stars and the positive comments on iTunes. Um, also, leave us your comments on SoundCloud as well. We need you guys to do that so that we can, can talk back to you. That's right. And, um, man, you know, we really appreciate you guys sticking with us. We're coming up on a year of doing this. The mm-hmm. 2016's coming to an end. We're coming back around to, you know, February, I think it was, February. when we launched. Yeah. So, you guys have been rolling with us, and mm-hmm. we really appreciate you guys, everybody who tweets at us during the week, everybody who retweets the episodes, everybody. We just want to ask you guys to continue doing that, continue sharing this so we can expand the our, our reach and invite people to join the Junto this week. Yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely. all we got. Yeah, if, look, if we can connect the end of the show to the very beginning, the thing that is going to allow us to move forward as a people, as a subculture, as a community, as friends, as loved ones, as a country, is to become more inclusive, to invite more people into a group, to meet each other, to care about one another, to have conversations with one another. So invite people that you care about, invite people that you haven't met yet, invite them into the Junto. We want to have you, we want to have them. Please help us do that. There it is. All right, we love y'all. Until next time, peace. (laughs) 